warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long runtime as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 428. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a walk, Brad. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Hate erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're the, the what's the what's with the fucking pause there, huh? I oh. didn't know I paused. Yeah, you're, you're like fucking William Shatner trying to gather your thoughts there before you talk to this when, group of aliens or and the Starship when did Enterprise. I pause before I said my name or yeah. after my I, I'm Brian. And then it was oh, like it must be a delay. It felt like I said it right afterwards. Oh man. Did, did you guys pick up on that as well? Was there was there a delay on your end as well? Uh, let's let's Paul Hart from Apple to Oranges podcast. Welcome, Paul. Was there a delay there, Paul? There was a little bit of a delay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can and I get an instant replay? <laughs> I would. I would love to I play. I want the guy it. in the truck to play it over. I want to. Hear <laughs> I would love to play. It was. It was. It, it lingered. <laughs> it was. It was like that cranberry sock. Do you have to let it linger, Jake? Was it cran- you know, was that the cranberries? That was the cranberries, right? That is the cranberries. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think I was thinking too hard about getting the timing on the second part. Right? Jake forgot his name. Jake was like, "What? <laughs> what is my name?" Oh yeah, that. Oh, okay. Now I remember that the State Farm commercial guy. That's me. I know you hate oh, that no. joke, Jake. Oh, I know you no. hate that. That's why I brought it up. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> No, there was there was like a, a long pause there, Jake. I, long, come on. Now. Yeah, longer than nor longer than normal. It was an abnormally. Un- Go ahead. I thought you were like unmuting your microphone. I was. I had unmute from the moment we started. I I don't know what was going on there. I mean, I would have went with the mute excuse, man. <laughs> I wish I had it because it, it was an, it was embarrassingly embarrassingly long. <laughs> Very long pause, Jake. It's well, like I nailed the second part, though, yeah. right? That was you did, funny. you did. But it was like it was like I'm Brian. Here, 
I'm gathering my thoughts. My name is Jake. I, I know. <laughs> gathering my thoughts. How and I'm Jake, and we're the leftovers. It was just, it was it was abnormally long. Next episode, I'm just gonna fucking cut you off. Are you? Were you trying to create? Were you trying to create a, some suspense, Jake? Because you're, you're the, you're the yeah. <laughs> people were getting excited that I wasn't here. <laughs> is he or isn't he? Woo. Psych! I'm here. Sorry. <laughs> bum bum bum. All right, and we're also joined by Spoiler Steve from Seen It Movie Reviews. Welcome, Steve. Uh, yeah, thank, thanks for having me again, Brian. And uh, after after reviewing the tape, it looks like he paused for a half a second too long. <laughs> it was it was it was a half a second. <laughs> it was a little long, Jake. <laughs> when I upload this one, I want you to hear this embarrassingly long pause. <laughs> you came you came in with this, and we're and you're right though. You were like you were focused on the second part because you right after I'm Jake, you're like and we're blah, blah blah, and you know just no. Yeah, my, my brain was racing with the second part the entire time. That, that's what's so hilarious about this. Like, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, we're gonna get this in sync this time. And then and Brian stopped <laughs> right before you were going to go in sync because you would have. I think you would have had it if Brian you just like finished it. You know? No, Steve, I, I get oh, it, man. Steve. I, 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 I we done. We, we typically get the intro nailed every week. It's really not the intro that's the problem. It's the outro. So I cut him off and. I was just, I was, I was just ready to talk about this ridiculously long pause. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I don't know, man. That was something, Jake. That was a Grand Canyon of a pause. <laughs> I don't think Evil Knievel or Bart Simpson in tandem could jump the canyon of your pause. <laughs> Springfield Gorge has nothing on your pause, Jake. <laughs> I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. All righty. Oh man. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm happy to have our guests here. Hopefully, they. They. They like. They're. They're raring to go, and they don't have to think too long about their responses, Jake. I, it was your fucking name too. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to hear this tape. <laughs> I wish I could play it back right now. I just don't have the capability of playing it back right now. Anyway. Oh, man. We need more patrons. Uh. <laughs> we need those abilities. <laughs> Sign up right now. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. No, I, I want to thank all of our listeners for, uh, for you know, just for being with us over the years. And, uh, I mean, if it wasn't – honestly, if it wasn't for the listeners, we wouldn't be doing this today. And it, honestly, if it wasn't for the listeners, we wouldn't have – been able to sign the contract with Blue Wire and kind of get that going off the ground. And I mean, it's really because of people coming back every week and supporting the podcast. And it, it truly means a lot, man. I mean, it's been a long nine years. So it doesn't feel like a long nine years, Jake, or is it? I don't know, man. It does. It, it, it kind of goes, it kind of goes back and forth. It does. Sometimes it feels like it was just yesterday and sometimes it's like, oh my God, we're still doing this. I, well, when I think of nine years ago, I think, you know, when we started, when we had, we started with Jay and we started with Dan, that seems like a long time ago. Yeah. And I, I put it in like movie context, like Iron Man 3 was the newest MCU movie. Well, we had like what, six MCU movies at that point. Oh my God. Oh, we started in 2013. So we were at Avengers. So our first, our first uh, Marvel movie that we reviewed on the show was Iron Man three. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's a long That's time insane. ago. I mean, yeah, that is insane to think about. But, uh, yeah, nine and a half years, man. I want to thank the listeners. Seriously, I can't thank you enough. If it wasn't for you and just sticking us, sticking it out with us for nine years and then gaining new listeners along the way, we wouldn't have these opportunities. So, seriously, a huge thank you to you. I really appreciate it. I get... You know, we got a sweet message from uh, Greg this week and thanking us, and I want to kind of just pay it back to the listener and uh, thank them for uh, sticking with us over the n- nine and a half years here, Jake. So a lot of – and some of them, not a lot of them, but some of them have been with us since fucking, you know, you know first few episodes. Yeah, there's still some of the, some of those people out there. Yeah, I, I can't imagine a podcast that has better listeners than we do. I mean – they're so great. The engagement, the friendships, it, it's so much. I I can't imagine. Yeah. If there is, I would leave this one and go to that one. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I jump shit right there with you. I, I, yeah. I mean, seriously. I, if there's a better audience, I want to find them. I'm looking for them. I'm kidding. No, I, I enjoy our <laughs> listeners. Thank you. Very much, Jake. You know what? You know what? You know what I should have done during your long ass fucking pause. <laughs> should have pulled up Did the boat. I should. I could have took a nap. I could have done the dishes, the laundry, got the car washed. <laughs> 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 Jesus, no, I, I forgot to pull up the bumpers. But uh, yeah, let's jump into uh, this week's good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we would like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Okay, I really quickly, I guess, I don't know about really quickly, but uh, who's been watching, other than me and Jake, who's been watching Obi-Wan? I have. I have. Okay. Paul, speak up there, buddy. Yeah, can you hear me? Get in there. Yeah. Get in there. Get in there oh, like you're getting ready to just fucking lick that fucking clitoris, man. Get in there. Oh, damn. Yeah, um, get in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I finished, uh, yeah. Like, do you want, like, were you just making sure I was loud, or do you want me to give my thoughts on Obi-Wan? <laughs> oh, both. I, I mean, the it, second. Yeah, well, oh, both, okay. actually. I, 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 I want him to be louder, Jake. I, and so I watched the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, <laughs> uh, finale, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a... Uh, paint some trees over here. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> happy little tree over there. Anyway, yeah, Paul, what would you think about uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi? Uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed uh, the final episode. I'm going to give it a uh, high taste. It. Um, it gave me quite a few things I wanted to see and kind of knew that were going to happen, and I think I'm going to give the overall series a high taste that there was some just tasted episodes in there, but then there was a couple Tupperware episodes, but I really had a fun time uh, with the show. Like, I wish I would have got a couple more things and maybe some different things, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed um, 
especially when uh, they brought in like Hayden Christensen as Anakin, and then at the end of that final episode, we kind of got to that that awesome scene of like his mask, you know, being half and half, and we get half like we get some of his voice and some of the. Um, you know, Darth Vader voice. I thought that was well done, but yeah, yeah I had a fun time with it. Yeah. I th- the voice modulation was, uh, that was a nice touch, I think by, uh, by the people over at Lucasfilm. So high taste. Uh, yeah, Steve, uh, your thoughts on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. I think I give the season and, or the, I guess the series and overall taste it. Uh, I wasn't really pleased with how it began. It got a bit better throughout the season, but, I mean, it was fine for what it was, um, but honestly, we just needed a, like a Lord of the Sith of or a late Vader Down series instead. I think they should have done that because this was cool and everything, but you know, it's a fun story, I guess. But there's not really any stakes. We know how this is all going to end up, so it's like it's fun and everything, but it's definitely one of those series where it's just. It might have been better if they just released it all at once or like three at a time sort of thing maybe but i don't it was okay um i'm not the, the star wars is cool overall but like out of all the stories we could be working on i just didn't think obi-wan was wasn't one we should be focusing on at this moment but i was a bit i guess impressed with what they did bring to the table i was impressed with like some of the storytelling but yeah it was just fine overall yeah yeah um yeah jake yeah, I mean, I you know, I continue to love this series. The the finale was by far my favorite episode, and like I was saying last episode, this did more of that, where it's really connecting the Anakin from the prequels to the Darth Vader of the classic trilogy, and I really think that's a really cool story. Like, it really makes you look at those episodes four, five, and six kind of in a different way now after seeing this series. For me, um, I liked the stuff they did with Reva a lot in the finale. And, uh, yeah, I, I got super emotional in this episode as well. Like it, you know, something, I don't know how spoilery we're getting with this, but, uh, something I think a lot of people have wanted to see for a long time finally happened. And, uh, it got me emotional, man. I, I, I loved them prequels and, uh, they really hit me in all those prequel buttons here. And, uh, yeah, it's been my favorite star Wars thing on Disney plus so far. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad it's over. Um, I'm going to give it a taste it overall. I, I liked 50% of it and the other 50% I could have just done away with. I think it accentuates the prequels and detracts from the original trilogy. And, um, I know there's, you know, they, you know, in order to push the story forward, you've got to, you know, get a little loose with some of the canon. And I mean, I don't, I just think it, for me, I, I think that they should have done away with the whole, Luke and Leia of it all. If we did have Luke in it at all, he should have been very kind of like in the background of this series. I think it should have been a movie. Number one, uh, I, I think the I think the sets felt really small sometimes. Using what what, what is that thing they use the volume? And I think some of the sets themselves were were very small in this series. I mean, if you watch like the chase scene and in Dayu where he's trying to catch Leia. I mean, he's basically, if you watch that, he's running around in a circle because they just don't have a large set for that. Um, so it, it felt smaller, which is why I'm looking so much forward more to Andor because it looks like they're filming on location. It looks big. It looks massive. 
it looks like a it looks like a Lord of the not Lord of the Rings, but like a Game of Thrones meets Star Wars with all the the massive fucking locations and stuff like that. Uh, it accentuates the prequels because I do think that it really connects the. I mean, that final episode, the way Anakin and and, and Obi Wan kind of like left off between one another. It was. It really kind of tied that up nicely. I, I think that relationship there, um, and I think that worked. But a lot of stuff just didn't work for me in it. I, I, we didn't need to have Leia in this. It's all, it's just this bait and switch of a series for me. It's we think we're getting Obi Wan, and then it's like no, you're getting Obi Wan. You're going to get Reva. You're going to get Leia, and it's not like I don't. I'm not interested in young Leia at all. I'm just not interested in young Leia in the series. Um, Reva, I, I don't know, man. At the end of the day, I don't know if that story is worth telling. I, and the fight, and, and then they're trying to add layers onto, and I know they've done this in canon with Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, but I mean, in, I guess in the, in some of the novels, Aunt Beru is like a, uh, a rebel, um, she she's like she works on Tatooine and she's like it's kind of like a rebel spy and she tries to um I'd have to I'd have to read up more on it but she does have more of an active kind of role in the in the novels but I just I didn't need a whole fight between Reva and Uncle Owen and it's like they're just trying to add more and more layers to certain characters that I don't feel need it I mean I think they kind of just serve their purpose as caretakers of Luke and then they get killed. I don't need, I don't, <laughs> I don't need a fight. I don't need to see them both standing up and fighting, you know, a fucking inquisitor. Um, I thought the inquisitor sucked in this whole series. The fifth brother, like, did, did we even see the fifth brother and the third sister at all in the last episode? I don't think so. If so, they were like standing in the background. Why cast them? Why have the Inquisitors in this series if you're only going to get the Grand Inquisitor in there? And he really didn't do anything either. Um, I don't know. It's a tasted overall for me. I I liked fifty percent of it, and it's not that I not that I hate the entire series, but I just think that it was very unnecessary. Steve, you said it. There's no stakes, and I think it just accentuates the relationship that they had from the prequels and detracts from the stuff that actually happened in the original trilogy. I mean, there's the part where like Vader doesn't kill Obi-Wan in this episode and just leaves him in the rocks. You know, you'd feel like you'd be able to feel his force presence that he's still alive. And like, you can, you can walk away from this episode saying to yourself, like neither one of them wanted to kill each other. But then by the time you get to a new hope, he has no problems fucking killing Obi-Wan. So I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, I feel like it was just a very much a, uh, let's get more subscriptions. And I know that's just what Disney is. I just don't want, I don't want subscriptions and money to sacrifice story. I think those, I think subscriptions and money are going to come in if you have great story. I just, I just, am I? I agree with that logic completely. Yeah, I know you don't feel like something good, people are going to come. I know you don't feel like that's the case here because you loved it, but that's just how I, that's how I feel. I feel like it's, we didn't need the, the Leia of it all. Um, 
Yeah. Am I the only one that just feels like Leia should not have been in this series? I love Child I, Leia. I thought that was a great addition. Terrible. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind her as much. I. I. I was. I was a bit surprised that we had to save her twice. That just felt like that one episode with the water and everything just felt almost like a filler episode. Um, but other than that, though, I was, you know, yeah, it, it was good and everything and, and cool. But, yeah, it was just it was better than expected, I guess, with Leia and everything. But, I, yeah, I didn't need the second save. I don't know. I feel like if you speak out and say you don't like anything on Star Wars, you just kind of get lumped in with that one group. Oh, oh no. Oh no. And that's not the case with me at all. I just felt like it just wasn't, we didn't need it story wise. And so I, I do feel like there are people out there that have like, you know, legit reasons for not wanting certain elements in it. And it has nothing to do with the, the toxic fandom of it all. Yeah. Um, no, I, would you, and I know you're not part of that group. Well, I, and, and, and I know I'm not either. And it, it's just one of those things that I feel like we're at a point where it's like, if you say, Anything against anything that's going on, you you automatically kind of like align yourself with with that because it's such a big thing going on in Star Wars Twitter and Star Wars Facebook and and like that has nothing to do with it. I just I I, I felt like it just kind of took away from some of the stuff in like A New Hope where she's like, "You served my father in the Clone Wars," and it's like there's a whole other layer to this relationship that you kind of like opened up and expanded upon in this series that really is not hinted at or touched on in not only the original, you know, episodes four, five, and six, but also by the time we get to, you know, uh, the, the newest trilogy with Ray, I mean, we get Leia in that series there and there's, there's, there's no discussions or anything like that. It's just like they're introducing new canon. It's like, you know, we all kind of, and I think a lot of people just forgive it because it's Star Wars. And th- then they're going to have people like me that, that don't, don't, don't forgive it. But like when we get to Fast and Furious 9 and, you know, Vin Diesel's got the secret brother, then everybody's got a problem with it. Oh, that's so stupid. I, I don't feel like, like this is any different. I feel like this is you really kind of shoehorning this story in there and sacrificing some of the elements from the original trilogy. A lot of people think that, you know, just that's fine, though, you know, in order to keep these stories going forward, you have to do things like this. You have to tweak it a little bit. You have to make some of these changes. And I don't know. It's are these the same people that are saying, let's not get any more Skywalker stories, because I haven't heard any of them, because that's all we're getting is more Skywalker stories. Like, that's why I love Taika Waititi's quote. It's like, let's get out of the Skywalkers. Let's show you a new side of the Star Wars universe. You know, there's there's more to this galaxy than just lightsabers and 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 fucking skywalkers and Sith lords and stuff. So, I don't Yeah, know. that's exciting. I mean, Star Wars one of its big biggest problems is is kind of genre trapped, you know? It like always no matter what it does, it always kind of has to have the same feel it seems like. And I I think Taika can really break that mold as well, not just not being the skywalkers and not being lightsabers and the force. Like it mm-hmm. can actually feel like a different genre of film potentially that's very exciting would would the finale have been a little bit more impactful if maybe someone would have died maybe reva would have sacrificed herself or something that's another thing that i didn't a hundred percent understand i guess you can try to give yourself go through some mental gymnastics here to understand it 
the one thing that really traumatized her as a kid was watching Anakin slay all the younglings. So her way to get back at him is to kill his child that he doesn't know is still alive. But she's doing the same thing that he did. And then in the last moment, she's like, then in the last moment when she's about to do it, then it clicks. I can't do this because it's fucked up killing a child. Am I? Yeah, I mean, she comes to that herself, just like you're saying. I, it's the long con. Like, she does it for so long that eventually she becomes the thing that she's mad at. I thought that was really interesting about her character. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I, I thought it was just I – I just thought I might, from, like, the get-go, the one thing that she absolutely hated that traumatized her – yeah, I don't know. I guess. But it's been 20 years of this long con to get back at Vader, and she just kind of lost sight of what she was actually rebelling against. Well, it was – it went from – it went from I'm going to try to kill you because we saw her try to kill him in that moment. And, no, that didn't work out because he fucked her up. And so so now she's just going to kill his kid at that point. She and, became desperate, yeah. Yeah. I I, I guess it can work. It's just – I don't know. It's just, I guess it's just the way it was handled or executed that it just didn't, it didn't grab me emotionally. Um, and I know there's not much like Leia Obi-Wan reference in the Disney trilogy, but she does name her kid Ben. Yeah. And then even then we were like, why? But, and there's literally no discussion though at all about any of that. And, Maybe that was done because at one time they did have a treatment for a film and maybe that was part of it. Um, but I don't think that that was it. I think they totally went away from the movie side of everything because it had a lot more to do with Luke and Obi-Wan Kenobi at that time. And, but it mirrored a lot of what was going on with like the Mandalorian. So they went away with that whole script is what I kind of picked up, but I could be wrong there. But yeah, it, that seems very feasible. So I'll give it a taste it overall. Um, uh, you know, it's nothing that I'll probably ever go back to. Um, looking more, I'm looking forward to Andor w- much more and can't wait for Mandalorian season three. Jake, I'm glad you loved it. I, I do feel like this is more targeted towards fans of the prequels and i do feel like it did accentuate the relationship between anakin and obi-wan in the prequels but man i you know for the me being like more of a lover of the original trilogy and i know that you love the original trilogy as well i think it did kind of detract from some of the some of the canon they kind of just tried to shoehorn and make stuff work that i i felt like it just didn't sit well with me at the end of the day. This is all I'm saying. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I've just been scared for a long time that the prequels were always never going to get any love, right? You know, like any little piece of meat they threw at us, we freaked out about like, oh, my God, it's a pod racing flag in the in the Force Awakens. Oh, the prequels still exist. You know, it's so it's just so nice to to see a show like this. And like you said, actually geared towards fans of that trilogy. It was. It was 100% geared towards fans of that trilogy. Um, and I'm not saying fans of the original trilogy can't like this as well, but 
I, I just feel like that Anakin Obi Wan relationship in the original trilogy. I think they handled the stuff between those two really well. I feel like it that was impactful. But at the end of the day, I can't. I just think it was a for me. It was a no stakes, needless series. That and yeah, I guess we could spoil. I mean, if you haven't watched it, watch it. If you have no plans on watching it, but yeah, Qui Gon Jinn. I knew it was. Everybody knew it was going to happen, so it was like it wasn't really that huge of a deal for me when it did happen. I guess it was nice seeing Liam Neeson as Qui Gon again. It was a stupid. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Steve. I thought it was just. It was a stupid like, uh, like rush in a way. Like it was almost like a. It was like it was forced in a way. Like, why couldn't we get his at least his voice throughout the season? Then, like little bits here and there to at least foreshadow it or something. Because it just like it felt like they got Liam Neeson for five minutes in front of a green screen. Okay, we're good to go. Like we couldn't have used an hour of him doing little things here and there just to put in the season. It just felt like like almost like they forgot to do it, so they threw it in at the end. No, I think they did that intentionally. Mm. Yes, I mean, the story covered that. It's one of those things where I think they're. It's not quite as impactful as seeing Luke and like you know, the Mandalorian season two, but you know, I mean, the week before we're all like, oh my god, or who could that Jedi be? Is it going to be Quinlan Vos? Is it going to be blah blah blah? Who is it going to be? And then you know, it's fucking Luke, and then people freak out and. I mean, I think they did kind of foreshadow it when they showed you like the previously on when Yoda's specifically talking about having communication with Qui-Gon again. I mean, well, yeah, but still then you can't. And he's like talking to nobody every once, every once in a while. Because the like, force wasn't strong with him. He had to like. Exactly. I mean, okay. It, you know, it, this is how Stella got her groove back. This is how right. Ben okay, Obi-Wan got his force back. So. You know, and we saw that kind of gradually build from him just being able to like slowly move like tiny stones to like full on throwing huge boulders at Vader. And uh, it, I think it does kind of wrap that up nicely. It, 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 what it does to accentuate the prequel so well is the fact that he does blame himself for Anakin. And in this, he realizes that it wasn't his fault. This is who he is. That was his choice. What'd you think of the whole Darth thing since we're getting into spoilers now? The whole what? When he when he actually goes like calls him Darth, like in the original film. Jake, what what is he saying? I have no idea. Uh he Obi Wan refers to Anakin as Darth for the first time. Oh, okay. At least, I mean, in the prequel era, like we hear it in episode Cause he calls four. Him, yeah, he calls him Darth and it sounds like a, like, you know, like that's his first name at that, at that point. So he does as like an insult here. I was just curious if, uh, I guess if you had noticed it, like what, what did you, uh, what did you think of, uh, them pulling, making that call back? Cause everybody always makes fun of that line, uh, from the original film because of what Darth is now. Yeah, I didn't pick up on it. Yeah. Yeah, I've always thought that was a dumb thing to pick on. Like, they're like, oh, it's like calling someone Mr. or, or that kind of thing. You hear a lot of that. and That's some some needle dicking, in my opinion. Well, I yeah. think this gives more meaning to when he tells Luke in episode four that Darth Vader killed your father. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's what I really loved about this. And he's like straight up like, you know, like it was my fault. Like now, Obi Wan can actually like 
genuinely say, yeah, it was Darth Vader that got your dad. You're right. That does work. That yeah. does work. I mean, there are things like that that actually do work, that actually do help the original trilogy. And then I, there's other things like with the whole Leia and, and you know, uh-huh. Luke and Reva and Luke and Reva and Owen and all that stuff. I just feel like is needless, but you're 100% right, Paul, like that, that really works. I, I feel like what it does so well, like the, with the prequels is just like that whole relationship. He's able to bury it now. And now, now we know over the next nine years leading into a new hope that he is strong with the force again. And, you know, he is ready to, he is now we know why he's in the right mindset to take Luke on. So it is, I think that that stuff does work well. So, I mean, it's not all a complete wash in my opinion, but man, I, I, you know, and that's the thing at the end of the day with star Wars, you're going to make some fans happy. You're going to make some fans unhappy. And then there's going to be fans that are outright angry. I'm not in the camp. That's outright angry. That is just like, fuck you. You ruined my childhood. I'm not in that camp at all. I'm more in the camp of, you know, I, I, I do prefer stakes and I do prefer, I mean, uh, with, especially with like the original trilogy, I want a hundred percent cohesion to where it really just makes sense why this is happening. And they were able to do it half. They were able to meet those needs halfway for me. So <laughs> they met you in the middle. They met me in the middle, man. Yeah. I was their Malcolm, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most toxic I've ever felt with Star Wars was uh, the Solo movie. Mm. Mm. That's that's when I was the most mad. I mean, I, I was very bitter about Lord and Miller being fired from the project. Yeah. And then to me, that's the most needless piece of Star Wars we've ever gotten is the Solo movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, when I first watched it, I haven't watched it since. But when I first watched it, I was like, this is a fun adventure. And then I watched it a second time in the theater. And I was like, this isn't as good as my first watch. <laughs> no, it's it's laughably bad. And like, I agree that Obi-Wan could have looked better as a movie. But man, like Solo, it sure has some dark, foggy sets going on throughout the entire movie. Like it almost looks like a TV show itself. So I don't know if that could have changed anything or not. Um, well, I mean, he's, he's, you know, there's portion of it when he's, you know, at the spice mines. I mean, it's not going to look. Yeah. But even stuff with like the Falcon, the Falcon is just surrounded by fog and multiple scenes. It's very bizarre. I'd have to go back and, uh, do a fog count. I don't remember, but, uh, it's like fucking Stephen King's the mist in that movie. Okay. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, let's see here. Oh, uh, I finished the uh, finished the offer on Paramount yes. Plus. Paul, did you finish it as well? Booby, booby, oh. I loved it. I oh. loved it. <laughs> I, lo- I absolutely love booby. I love it, baby. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I absolutely fucking Bob Evans is like my favorite character of that show. He's just so Matthew Good is fucking killing that role, Paul. I oh, like- absolutely love it. I know you're saying a voice, but I 100% agree with you. I, he, I loved him in that role. Um, there's not a lot. Actually, there's not a lot of roles in that that I didn't like. I, Colin Hanks was fantastic in that, and it's not like yes. I fucking. It's yeah. not like I rave about Colin Hanks a lot. I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's a terrible actor, but man, he really 
just did a, a phenomenal job. Oh, this is the best role and one of the best, I think, arcs in the in the series in general. Um, Which is crazy because, like, he's the only fictional character in the show. Everybody, wow. everybody's performance was elevated in this. Like, Burn Gorman was fantastic. Oh my god, he's amazing in this. I in mean, this. I mean, it depends on what you give Burn Gorman because you could watch him in this, or you could watch him in the most recent first season of Halo, and you know he was not great in that by any means. Um, and here he's just phenomenal. Miles Teller on another level in this fucking series. It's his year. It's his year this year, man. And, uh, oh, Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah. Yeah. And Juno Temple. Um, you know, and I was going to say this during our Obi-Wan discussion, how we kind of talked about, because we knew about, you know, like episodes four or five and six and all that, how we felt there were no stakes, like. During this show, like we know this gets made into like one of the best movies of all time. There was moments during the show where I knew that history where I'm like, there's no way this movie's gonna get made. Uh so like the writing really helped with that to create those stakes. Like you know the real history, like you know it gets made. But I'm just thinking, like, how the fuck are they gonna pull this shit off? Um I had an absolute blast with this. Uh yeah, I, th- I thought this was an amazing way to end the series and, you know, to learn a little bit more about each character with the little scrolls at the end. That was great. Paul, would you be interested in watching a season two, but it's not Godfather Part Two. It is Al Ruddy and the making of The Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then and then the third season is the classic Al Ruddy movie Ladybugs. Oh, I love Ladybugs. <laughs> the Rodney Dangerfield movie? Yes. yes. Uh, Jonathan nice. Jonathan Brandis and fucking uh, Jack A. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie so much when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, that movie's fucking awesome. Oh, I used it to watch the good. shit out of that. Oh, I watched Ladybugs so much. Well, I played soccer when I was a kid. So it was like, this movie has everything I like. It has, cause I was like 14 when it came out. So I was like, this has teen romance and soccer in it and Jack Hayes in it from 227. I love this show. And then, it, and then Rodney Dangerfield. Oh my God. Yeah. I love Ladybugs, man. What a great movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, Steve. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I, I would enjoy that second season because the guy they got, they did an amazing job of just casting these old, you know, like these, these actors. So like, I would love to see the guy playing Burt Reynolds. I would like to see him in more episodes of this. So that would be a fun idea to watch the making of the longest yard. Well, I mean, if, if Al Ruddy has a story for it and can, uh, you know, and, and if they actually did some, Kind of like, you know, like uh, research and actually went to a real prison, you know, that shit would yeah. be interesting to see because like this, the offer had elements of the real mafia in it. And it was just amazing to to watch the making of The Godfather. Um, Steve, you, you, you watched this entire series as well? Yeah, I waited until it was all out. I watched uh, two episodes a, a night from Monday through Friday. Uh, and yeah, I think my favorite episode was, I mean, you, you, you get hints of it throughout the series, but that one episode, you get real juxtaposition between every time they're filming the Godfather, you never actually see 
the them filming The Godfather, but we instead transition to the real life mafia and what they're doing. And if they're talking about how um, the Don has to be very um, uh, intimidating without saying much words and then they get into the scene, we then cut to that in real life. And you see G- Giovanni uh, talking to the Don and everything, and he's doing what they're asking for in the movies. And uh, when you get the, the whole uh, comparison with um, Brando's death and something in the series, I'm just like, this is – this is like this is cinema like this is just it's so good the storytelling was just breathtaking definitely one of the best uh scripts this year for a limited series and just yeah con hanks and bruno temple were to me the the standouts you for... called her bruno <laughs> oh i'm sorry bruno, um, uh, bruno. <laughs> i didn't know she was transitioning steve Oops. uh oh man what is it i'm uh I'll have the cast in front of me now. I'm blanking. Juno. Juno. Yeah. Juno Temple and Con Hanks. They were just, they were to me like not just their, uh, their arcs, but their performances were just the best of the season. Yeah. Miles Teller, this is, this was his role and it, it might be his year, but this, this was his role. And I would definitely love, if not a longest yards making of at least this Paramount Studios universe. I want to keep following that in general. I want to see what happens next with this agency, what what they're going to be doing with Paramount in general with Godfather Part 2. I'd like to just follow everything. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like without Al Ruddy being kind of our you know main character following that guy. Um, yeah, but it's not like the, the producer for Godfather 2 is going to be um, – uh, what's his face? Uh, Matthew Gunn. Yeah, so at least you're going to get that. So it's like we're just following them both as producers for the second season or the series, I guess, if they want to give it a different title. But I would just want to follow this this universe of Paramount that they're doing right now under um, – what is it? Jack or something, whoever the, uh, the main guy is, who's also a great performance as well as the main head. Uh, Burn um, Gornham's character. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like we know that The Godfather was a success. And so I feel like that The Godfather originally was the underdog. And I feel like Al Ruddy going out on his own now and leaving The Godfather makes his next step into his next project, him the underdog. Because Godfather 2 has everything going for it at this time. I don't know if there's like the the story or the controversy surrounding The Godfather 2 that there would be with The Godfather Because it was such a success. It's just like, you know, this guy leaving, going out on his own and now doing this movie with Burt Reynolds. And uh, I don't know. I I agree with you. But, yeah, you could make The Godfather to like the B plot. So like Al's going back to everybody on The Godfather set just for help or advice or something. But you're not wrong. Definitely the underdog story is the one that always sells. So but there's something there, I feel. Steve, I do. I, I'm kind of on board with your idea for Paramount. Like, let's like let's do a season of making Jaws. Yeah, that'd be cool. I think that would be fun. But isn't that universe? Is that Paramount? Universal? Is that not universal? I thought that was. I yeah, know, I think, yeah, yeah, that's universal. Sure. Yeah. Then Peacock needs to get on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Oh, and uh, let's see. I was. Today I was down to having time to only be able to watch either the third episode of Ms. Marvel or watch the sixth episode of The Boys, and I went with The Boys. I'm I, I'll watch for you. I'll watch Ms. Marvel, but I knew that this was the Herogasm episode, 
And so I was like, I have to watch this. This, in my opinion, for me, is the single best episode of television I've seen in 2022. It was fucking incredible. Like it, 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 like, you know, and I, you know, I love the offer. I've loved, there's a lot of shows that I've loved this year. Outer Range, uh, Night Sky. There's a lot of shows that are going to be showing up on my list at the end of the year. This episode was the single best, in my opinion. It just catered to me, man. Cause I fucking, there's something about, uh, movies where like the heavyweights are going to fight. And not, not just like heavyweights, like in a boxing match. It doesn't have to be Apollo Creed and Rocky. I could be talking about fucking, uh, uh, Tombstone, where it's, uh, Doc Holliday and Michael Bean's character, you know, the two gunslingers at the end. Like that's, that's the matchup you want to see at the end of that fucking movie. Like they've been fucking, you know, playing around with this idea of these two going at it this entire fucking movie. And then you get that fucking moment and it's like, here they are. Here it is. You know, Quick and the Dead, the same thing with that fucking movie, the Sam Raimi movie. Gene Hackman and Russell Crowe at the end of that movie. That's what you want to fucking see. It's those two guys. And in this, it's just like, man, you know, they've been pumping up this fucking Soldier Boy versus Homelander situation. I don't want to spoil this, but my God, I was, I was saying out loud as the fucking fight was going on in this episode, this is awesome. This is yeah. awesome. Like, this is like, this is like catered to me Th- because like I grew up fucking loving watching just like fucking, you know, badasses fighting each other. I-, I love that kind of shit, man. I like, I like watching the heavyweights go toe to toe. And, uh, yeah, I think everybody all season has been wanting to see what it's going to be like to see, uh, fucking soldier boy and Homelander get involved, uh, with one another kind of. Paul, man, I, what did you think, dude? Man, I like like this is easily the best episode of the boys. Yeah, yes, for sure. Like because they really, I mean, man, like Kripke, like when, he, like I think we've all been waiting for the hero gasm because we know, you know, especially if you read the comics, you know how fucking crazy that that storyline is. But like. You know, you like you came for hero chasm, no pun intended, obviously, but like we got so much more like, you know, we got to battle the Titans, but then we got we got some amazing stuff with like uh, a train. I thought a train had some of his best stuff this episode. Yeah. Uh, Mother's milk like it like it just hit on every level. But yeah, man, like the big showdown at the end, like I was not expecting it to happen. Yeah. I did not think that fight was going to happen Neither in that I. episode. <clears throat> and there's some nice surprises during the fight where you're like, oh, shit. Like, this just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> God damn. You're, it, it was amazing. I fucking had a hero gasm watching it, Paul. Dude, <laughs> dude. Like, I, I mean, just to like, you know, and again, I'm not giving too much away, but like we've never seen we've never seen homelander physically threatened before never and like when they fucking when he finds out that it's fucking soldier boy back like there's that look of fear on his face Dude. man like Dude. i've never seen the guy fucking like he's been irritated he's been he's been he's been fearful of people finding out that he's you know, an evil douchebag <laughs> and that he's not like, you know, he's not as beloved as they believe he is, but I've never seen him threatened, uh, 
physically. Yeah. Oh my god. And like Brian, that mirror scene where he's talking in the mirror. Anthony Starr is fucking just. He's killing this world. That easily could have been just like people fucking. He could have easily just if it was another actor, it could have been totally terrible, and people would have been make, making fun of it online, and you would have seen Smeagol uh, and uh, Smeagol <laughs> memes, and you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 and no, I mean it worked. It was fucking incredible, Paul. The shit he does with his eyes alone, you're like, oh my god, but. But yeah, you know, to hear to hear Homelander to hear Homelander say "What the fuck?" like, like you know, like, and it, it's got to be building to something even more epic. But God, that was a great little exhibition appetizer for what's to come with uh, those two. Hmm. Yeah, and Butcher, man, fucking dude, dude, fucking Huey, and <laughs> Huey. God damn, God damn, the show is uh, so good, dude. I know, right? God damn, how can you like and we're three seasons in, I'm like, how can this be my favorite episode? But it was, man. I was fucking I was cheering. Like Oh yeah. You know, I got my fucking adrenaline pumping watching that episode. I was just like, I can't believe they're just giving me everything I want in this episode. Fucking Laz Alonzo was so good in that episode. And you're right, A Train. The A Train shit was fucking phenomenal. So good, man. And oh my God. So uh, are you watching this, Steve? I am, but I'm about. Uh, I've only seen the first three episodes. I'm watching them in three episode chunks. So oh, listen, uh, like three tomorrow episodes. morning I'll probably be watching Dude. it. You gotta watch this, Jesus. I'm yeah. sorry, I did, I, sorry to spoil oh, shit, but oh no, it's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm spoiling Steve for a reason, but like after a like <laughs> end game and everything, it's like you know, I'm like I'm down. Like like tell me what's going on, but like it sounds it sounds like a lot of fun, and I, I have been enjoying what I've been seeing so far, and. I mean, I know Soldier Boy is coming back because I mean they've been promoting him this whole season. So um, it just it, it sounds. I'm really intrigued to see whatever the hell the hero guys is. Oh, it's so good! Such a fucking what a great episode, man! I'm I'm loving this season. Oh man, we only got four episodes left, Paul. Yeah, mm. yeah, this is only ten episodes. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's and it's everything's up in the air right now too. It's fucking. Uh, Starlight's killing it. God damn! Like everyone, every everyone in this episode just absolutely shined. Oh, I mean, it, you, you've got a cast here that's like they're in their third season together. They they knew that you know the great first season, but they knew that they could push a little bit more in the second season because it was a huge hit. Amazon is just like this is a huge hit for us. I mean, their subscriber base has to be going up because of the show. People are not dropping off the show; they're just getting more people watching it. They're really just letting these guys go to fucking town. Yeah. Oh yeah. They yeah. and they've barely. I mean, they've hit. They they they've barely hit their stride, in my opinion. I feel like it's just going to keep getting better and better with this show if they if they keep going. What were you saying, Steve? I was just going to ask. Uh, does this does this feel like a, a finale episode to you guys? No. 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 Oh. Okay. No. 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 It. Oh, this would have been a good penultimate episode, though, too. Oh, what I love about it is that it's not a penultimate episode, Paul. And like, it's like we get four more episodes. Like, where are you going to go? Like, it's going to get bigger than this. Like, I cannot fucking wait. You're going to do to us? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, you know, I was thinking about uh, next week, Friday, they're dropping 
the two the final two episodes of uh, Stranger Things for uh, season four, volume two. When are they going to kill off one of these kids? It, it's going to happen. Like season five, it's got to happen, right? Am, or, or am I crazy here? Like one of these kids has to die. I think this. it's happening in these last two episodes. Yeah, I was just going to say what Jake said. I think it's happening next Friday. Yeah. Who's going to go? Yeah, they've, re- they've really teased it really heavily, too. I forget which one of the kids on social media was saying it, but they're like saying it's going to be an absolute bloodbath and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know who's going to go. I- I'm going to guess Dustin. Mm, I'm going I'm, I'm to say Steve. Yeah, that would be heartbreaking. People would revolt. Yeah, but there was a thing uh, like a couple years ago where one of the I mean, of course, stuff changes. But one of the Duffer brothers was like, you know, like if they ever tried to convince us to kill Steve, I'm fucking leaving the show. But that could all be, you know, that people say crazy shit all the time. I think I think Eddie's going too. Mm. I'm, I'm talking about like. I'm talking about main cast. I'm, and, and by main cast, I mean every character that has been a, like a like a major character in that first season has not died. Like you know, Joyce and and Hopper and you know like you know all the kids. They're all still alive. Do you need someone to die? Like, couldn't could they go the Star Trek route and just have that rule of like you can't kill the original crew sort of thing? I think you do no, need they, someone they to can't die. Do that. I think okay. you do need someone to die, Steve. Okay. In, in order for this show to have the weight and impact and really pull the tears out of us, it's not like I'm saying, "Oh my God, I I want this particular character to die," but. You know, if it when and if it does happen, that's going to be very impactful because we've been following these characters for years now. What if and it's it, eleven? Sh- uh, I don't. It's not going to be eleven. That's to me. That's the most likely to be okay character. Well, Jake, I, I, I was telling you. I was telling you that in a in a Facebook message, maybe I think like a week ago, uh, that I think that. It would be impactful by the time we get to season five if one of the kids dies and then it's their senior year graduation and then we get the shot of like the empty seat of like the one kid that didn't that didn't make it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's great. I The whole thing is like oh so much to like the horror genre and like Stephen King's it that like that's the difference between this and Star Trek, right? Like. You have to you have to have some kind of a major death to keep up with kind of the genre that's it's even taking place in. So yeah, yeah. And I don't think like the death of Will is going to be impactful enough. It really has to. No, be no. These... Will's too weak. Yeah, Will oh, has but to. That be... almost kind of seems like what they might be setting up with just because of that picture. But like he was barely in season because I, I haven't seen season four yet. I've been doing a rewatch, getting ready, waiting for these two final episodes to come so I could do the final season in like one week span. But like they barely use Will because he's captured in the first season. He's in a couple of scenes after he's captured as flashbacks. But I, like after hearing the rumors of like someone might go, I feel like Will is the last person that would go just because he was already barely in the first season. Um, if oh, anything, I, I don't want, I don't, like, I don't care if Will goes. Like, that's not going to do anything for right. me if Will goes. 
Okay. <laughs> I think well, Steve would be the most impactful. Steve would be huge. Steve would be huge. And that yeah, that's why I said Dustin, because that would be huge. He's such a fan favorite as well. Well, the thing is, it's like Steve goes, and then that Steve was his hero. And to see his hero kind of like go out, it's like that, you know... I think it mean. I think it's more impactful to to watch Dustin react to the death of Steve than it would be to see Steve react to the death of Dustin. I what agree about, with that. What do you guys think of Nancy? Again, I don't care. Mm, okay. I I've started to care more about Nancy this season because she's not been up Jonathan's butt. Because that relationship right. I do not care about anymore. I haven't cared about that relationship since Stephen won, and I'm actually shipping Nancy and Steve again. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of people are. I've caught a lot of that. I think Jonathan would be big just because it would affect Joyce so much. It wouldn't be so much about you're losing such a big character, but what it would do to another principal character. Uh, see, he was he, his character's been laughable to me this season. Like just getting high with the fucking with Argyle and not really impacting anything this season so yeah screen rant just reported today stranger things season four finale character deaths have been confirmed by creators shit wow they were asked if there would be a body count and their answer was for sure for sure for f-o-u-r uh no not four people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> two for sure so two two deaths <laughs> jake what do you what do you think and jake you you finished volume one correct yeah what do you think about the chances of of a character that has died coming back now that there's been this reveal of kind of the upside down playing a part in the past I think that there's a very good chance of that. They they could totally like you could see a death and then still get that person back. I'm hoping Billy comes back. Or Barb. Yeah, they, they did such no, a Barb good job is, with him in season three. If Barb came back, she would look older than she did when she died. So I don't think it's possible. Mm. But Billy, that actor still looks the same. So yeah. I I and. I, for me, I don't know if he's a fan favorite for everybody, but he's one of my favorites. I really liked Billy. And, you know, I would love to see Billy come back. If there was a way for time, this, I don't know, this time element for him to come back somehow. And, you know, and kind of like, there's still some stuff with him and his sister that I think that really needs to be kind of uh, resolved. It'd be nice to see that happen if you were able to find a second chance man i don't know i'm just spitballing and 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 you can tell i'm really into the fucking show and and it's it's cool that not only is like are we you know forming theories about the marvel movies and the dc stuff of it now it's like we can talk about theories for stranger things so i could see why they killed billy off when they did though right you kind of don't want to see the softer side of billy like what made that character so fun was the edginess oh he was billy badass yeah, I get that he kind of turns a new leaf by the end of season three, but I think that's the perfect time to kill him. Like, you don't want to see the neutered Billy. He always, like, uh, he was like the, the like, when you're watching Monster Squad, he was always like the older kid that was smoking, you know what I mean? With the leather jacket, you know, he's the badass of the group, you know? 
Yeah, for sure. Just to see him get so many one uppings on Steve was just like yeah. my jaw drop. <laughs> yeah. Almost killed Steve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't wait for I can't wait for Stranger Things next week. The fucking radio stations around here are going nuts with the. the <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, the radio stations around here are going nuts. They're like, "Yeah, we're playing, we're playing Stranger Things songs for like the next, you know, like, you know, fucking, you know, ten minutes or whatever." They're playing that uh, "Running Up That Hill" song. They're starting to play that again. And if you like go to um, Kate Bush's Spotify, that was her number. That was like her second most played song before Stranger Things came out. Now it's like. Her most played song, like everybody's listening to. It. I've been listening to it. It's fucking. What was she's number on the, one? Was it Wuthering Heights? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. She's on the Billboard 100 for like the first time in her career. Like fucking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 30 years after that came out. Well, th- this, th- I mean, Stranger Things has done to that song what Wayne's World did to Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Now it's part. Oh. I mean, it's part of pop culture it's part of our pop culture zeitgeist that fucking song now running up that hill i every time i hear that song i'll always think of stranger things oh one of the best scenes of the fucking see like yeah that it was episode four that was incredible it was was episode four that's why like hero gasm is my favorite episode of the boys but i think my favorite episode of the season or my favorite episode of the year is uh is dear billy from stranger things incredible episode paul fucking awesome i I was literally on the edge of my seat. I did not. That was one of the few moments where I'm like, I yeah. have no predictions. Yes. I, same. Same. It was like. I, there, Anything I, can happen. I felt like this need to pause it just in case something bad did happen. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for this right now. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, that was. Yeah, that. that fuck that. That whole episode with that, the final 10 minutes are just fucking magic. Yeah. Oh, I, can't. I don't yeah, know. Season four really brought back stakes. I, I, yeah. I definitely agree that season four has been the best season since season one. And one of the biggest reasons is it brings back that feeling of anxiety that anything can happen. Like it just doesn't have that super safe feeling that kind of the previous two seasons had. Jake, I got Stranger Things fever over here. <laughs> yeah, not, I don't blame you. I don't blame I'm you. I, I'm excited to watch these final two episodes, and it's almost like we're getting four episodes. I know. The lengths of these episodes. I know. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, all right, guys. Um, who got a chance? I, Jake, I know you saw it. Uh, Steve, did you get a chance to see the Black Phone? Yes. The Black Phone dropped in theaters. This was uh, this was delayed quite a bit. I mean, we were supposed to get this a few months back. Uh, after being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. The Black Phone is a supernatural horror film uh, directed by... Uh, uh, Doctor Strange director Scott Derrickson and written by Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill. So basically after he left Doctor Strange 2, this was a project he was going to work on and uh, it just freed him up so he could get it done sooner. Uh, it's an adaptation of the 2004 short story of the same name by Joe Hill, uh, son of Stephen King. The film stars Ma- uh, Mason Thames, Madeline McGraw, Jeremy Davies, James Ransone and Ethan Hawke. Uh, in the film, an abducted teenager uses a mysterious phone to communicate with the previous victims of his captor. And, uh, yeah, I went and saw this Thursday. Jake, I think me and you saw this at the same... Did you see the 5 o'clock show? I did. Yeah, I did, too. I went and saw it at the 5 o'clock show. I didn't know it took place in 1978. That was... Uh, I, I, 
it really, Jake, this really felt like, it really felt like the seventies. Like, you know, I, I was born in 78. It's not like I remember the seventies, but I think like the, the look, uh, the way it looked, it really felt like the seventies. It felt like, it felt like dazed and confused, but all these kids dying. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah i agree yeah as far as like being a good period piece in that way i i did capture that yeah jake um go ahead tell us a little bit about the movie and then tell me your thoughts yeah i want to know your rating on this one yeah i, I thought this movie was very unfortunately mediocre it's going to be a right down the middle taste it for me i um, the good stuff first. I thought this movie was gorgeous. Uh, it's filmed in the widest of widescreens. You're absolutely right. It really captures that late 70s feel. Uh, some of the stuff that was done with lighting in this movie just blew me away. Like, you know, these kids are captive in this basement and it's the widest of widescreen, but like 30% of the screen is being taken up by darkness. And it really did such a great job of like giving you that trapped feeling. Unlike any like kidnapped movie I've ever seen before. Like the look of this movie was something to behold. Um, I thought the performances were very, very good too. Um, I thought Ethan Hawke was a great, like bad guy character. I just thought the story itself was just so, so, so safe. I none of the twists and turns were really that exciting and it just wasn't a very daring movie as far as revelations like I don't want to give spoilers but I don't know I just kind of wanted a little bit more meat to chew on here with some kind of big reveal or some shocking thing to happen and I as gorgeous as the movie was and as well acted as it was it was just the story was so mediocre what did you rate it? A taste it. Okay. Yeah. Steve, what did you think? Yeah, I, I mostly echo what Jake's saying, but I'm at a high taste it. Um, uh, I thought it was the, the pace was really good. The first hour of this movie, I thought flew by and I didn't even realize how, like how much we got, how fast along we got into the movie. And, um, Ethan Hawke, you know, he's wearing a mask for, a lot of the movie and like his eyes are just so just animated and everything. And it's just, this was a great performance for him for when you don't really get to see a lot of his face at all. Um, but well, Jake, you're right. They, they, they played it safe and like, it might feel a bit predictable at points. I just felt like, you know, it, this movie like set this set of rules and everything. And now that you're telling me that this is a Stephen, the son of Stephen King, um, it kind of makes more sense with just like, you know, what the, the King story verse and everything. So I don't know for me, I kind of just, I liked it. It followed its own rules and everything. They didn't explain too much. Uh, and yeah, like, you know, it's just, it was, I, I just thought it was an entertaining thriller to to see um maybe not for a june release it might have been better maybe in the winter time um but other than that there were just you know there's some uh, decent jump scares and everything else and yeah i was actually pretty entertained with the film it's doing quite well in the box office right now because i don't think it really has to compete with any other horror movies so i think it was a pretty good time for it to come out honestly i mm, think people wanted to yeah, see this true. i can see that yeah people wanted to see sense. this kind of movie right now because there's really nothing else i mean you can get your action 
out there right now with with Maverick. If you want to take the kids to see Lightyear, you can do that. But there's really no supernatural thrillers. People that, like basically I, I, the premise of this is there are children that are coming up missing in this town, and um, there's uh, um, black balloons that are being left at the crime scene, and um, uh, you've got you're dealing with a young boy whose father is an alcoholic, um, and his sister, she has some sort of, some sort of like, uh, she gets these dream premonitions. And, uh, so she, she plays a part in this movie as well. And, um, a lot of kids in his class have been, have been abducted and, um, he's the next one to get abducted. He's put into this, into this room. It's soundproofed in this house and there's a black phone on the wall. Eventually the phone starts ringing and he's talking to, the killer's previous victims uh, in the afterlife over this phone. Um, and yeah, I, I like this a lot more, I think, than both of you. I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, I just thought it reminded me of like one of those early 2000s psychological supernatural thrillers that I used to like so much. I can't think of the name of the one that I want to. I was thinking it was Stir of Echoes, but it's not. It's the one where th- this girl is is uh these boys kind of like take advantage of her and then they kill her there's a scene of her like um clawing at the floorboard and her nail pops off and then she's communicating to someone else in the afterlife to catch her killers and i don't remember if you guys can tell me what the name of that movie is i've tried to google it i can't find it but it was like one of those early 2000s movies and this really kind of like just brought those kind of movies back to me. And I was just like, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought Ethan Hawke's performance was very good. Like the whole, um, the whole naughty boy game of it all is just creepy as fuck. And, um, and, uh, but, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's, it's going to get a high taste it for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the black phone, Jake, would you recommend people see this one in the theater? Yeah, I think if you're going to see this, you should see it in the theater. I really did think the cinematography was really, really fucking cool in this movie. And uh, unless you have a very, very big TV or like a projection thing going, I would see this in the theater. What do you you think, Steve? Yeah, I agree. And uh, Madeline McGraw, the younger sister in this movie, had probably one of the best performances of the entire film as well. Like She was a big standout as well. Yeah, she was good. She was good. I all like, the kids were really good. I thought all the kids that, were that, good, That too. was very good. I, yeah. Bad kids can make a movie really terrible, really yeah. fast. I like that. The kid, uh, Robin, that fight he got in was yeah, fucking awesome. Great fight. Yeah. yeah. I love his bandana, too. Yeah. 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 The Black Phone. Uh, it's a uh, heavy subject matter, but it's – I really – I don't want to spoil anything, but I think I, I, I enjoyed the ending. And uh, Yeah, I didn't see anything. All I saw was the poster. I do feel the less you know going into this movie, the better. Because I, I never saw the trailer. I had no idea what this was about uh, other than Ethan Hawke was in it and it was directed by Scott Derrickson. And it's called The Black Phone. See, so, yeah, the less you know I think is the better. Yeah, it's unfor- you lucked out there, Steve. It's, yeah. un- it's unfortunate that – you know, people listening to this podcast can't have that experience now since we've been talking about it. But that's what we're here for. Very true. Very that's true. what we do. We have to talk about these things, people. I just can't say 
hey, we saw the black phone. I'm going to give it a high taste it. Check out the poster and go see it. <laughs> you might like it. <laughs> you might like it. There, uh, Spoilers. There is a black phone involved. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I know. Brian with the big spoilers. Uh, who watched uh, any episodes of the Gor- – uh, is it called The Gordita Chronicles or just Gordita Chronicles? Gordita Chronicles. Gordita Chronicles. This is on HBO Max. And uh, in 1985, uh, Cuckoo Gordita Castelli has just said goodbye to her friends and family in, in Santo Domingo and moved to Miami with her father, mother, and old older sister – uh, but while life in America is far from what they imagined, the Castellis are determined to take charge of their strange new world in this uniquely fun, funny coming of age series. And, uh, yeah, I watched the, I watched the first episode of this one. And, um, I like it. It's, I don't know if it's anything I'll go back to. It's just, be, it's just the format of this kind of like sitcom. It just reminds me of like watching the Goldbergs or something like that. And, I can kind of get burnt out on that kind of stuff. And I don't know. It's just, it's just this, the format of like the sitcom um, characters are likable and I'm sure they get into, you know, different uh, shenanigans and shit like that. But yeah, it's a, it's a story of a family that uh, want to live the American dream. Uh, they get here. They don't realize that that the taxes are so high, so they're not able to get the home that they wanted to originally. And, and, um, they didn't think America was as beautiful as it was advertised. And, and, uh, it's a little bit of a culture shock for them. And, uh, the first episode, uh, you know, uh, this girl Gordita, uh, she's going to a new school and she's already, you know, making some friends, but then there's like, you know, a click at school that are giving her a hard time. So in order to make friends, she says that for, uh, this dance coming up that she can get, uh, her aunt, uh, Gloria Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine to perform uh, at the dance. And uh, yeah, she's not related to Gloria Estefan. And so, yeah, um, I I thought it was a cute show, but it's it's just like it's one of these sitcoms. It just reminds me of a network sitcom. And uh, I'm not into like the whole network sitcom scene anymore. Like I stopped watching Goldbergs and all that kind of stuff a, a long time ago. So um, I'll give it a taste it. Um, likable characters, fun show. And I think a lot of people would love this, uh, but it just uh, uh, it's I, it's just not for me because I'm just not into the, this kind of network sitcom feel. But uh, and that's what it felt like. But uh, yeah, Jake, what did you think? Yeah, my first note on this show is more cute than funny. So I'm pretty much right there with you. It's it's a middle taste it for me. It, it was an enjoyable enough show, but I don't think I'll be watching it anymore myself. I, I watched the first two episodes. I thought the lead character, uh, Cuckoo, was very, very charming, very cute, very fun. But yeah, just not too many like belly laugh, laugh out loud moments. And I, I, I too wrote down that it really feels like the network sitcom of old. Uh, it really has like uh, everyone hates Chris vibes is what I kind of got from oh, it. Oh, but so. I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I'm not, oh, it's not as good as that for sure. <laughs> oh my God. I love that show. Oh my God, Jake, don't even get me started on everybody loves Chris. Everybody hates Chris. Everyone hates Chris is pr- maybe the last network sitcom I ever watched. God damn, that basis. show is so good. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you have HBO Max and nothing else to watch and no other streaming services, then sure, I, this would be kind of the perfect thing to maybe watch right before you go to bed. It's not too heavy. It's light. It's charming. It's cute. Yeah. It's, you know, half an hour format. It, it could fill that void. But yeah, this isn't anything you need to rush out and, and see or subscribe to HBO Max just for. No. Yeah, you're right. It's like a good show to watch to make you feel good right before you go to bed. Yeah, nothing distasteful is going to happen. You're not yeah. going to be thinking any heavy thoughts by the end of it. It's perfect for that. Maybe you, yeah, you got you, your porn browser just looks fucked up. <laughs> your porn browser looks fucked up. You've been watching some fucked up shit on Pornhub, and you feel guilty. Watch this. You know what I mean? It's good. It's wholesome. And then go to bed thinking about this. Don't think about all that fucking dirty shit you were looking up. Don't think about your dirty browser. <laughs> Yeah, you don't f- think about your stepsister. Yeah, you're you fucking heathen. <laughs> a lot of things have been learned this episode, gentlemen. <laughs> Come on, Steve. We've all. Know, looked, I'm, just we, I'm just kidding. If you're just learning this now, like what? <laughs> we've all looked up some fucked up shit on the internet. Don't even. Don't even go there. I, I don't even have to look it up anymore. They just suggest it to me. <laughs> Steve, you, Steve, Steve's coming off like like his like his browser search is like missionary position. Enter. Why not moms in your Hand area holding. now? People walking, holding hands. <laughs> Sensual Vanilla ice cream, original Pringles. Sensual hand job. <laughs> Where's the barn? No, what? it's like you're looking up cream pies and anal and all this <laughs> other fucking weird fucking lemon party shit, Steve. Don't even, <laughs> don't even. Anyway, Steve, what did you what did you think about Gordita Chronicles and and uh, did it make you hungry for a Gordita? It it did not, Brian. But uh, no, I uh, I give it. You, I echo everything you guys are saying. I'm at a solid uh, middle of the road taste it as well. I will probably go back to it because there are some like it's some funniness to it and everything. But, yeah, it's got that sitcom feel without the actual audience uh, with it. But, yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where I'll probably have on in the background where I'm just, you know, on my phone or something. Or whatever. But there's there, there's definitely some like, you know, cute parts in it, but nothing so to rush. You'll be watching see. this in tandem with your Pornhub fucked up shit, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't want to give it all away, Brian. Come on, Gordita oh. Cream Pie Chronicles. The gentleman doesn't kiss and tell. I'll tell you everything. I'll, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I got no shame. I looked up. I look at some fucked up shit, Steve. The gentleman doesn't masturbate and tell. Uh, Paul, what did you think, man? Man, I, I was a little disappointed because I thought maybe like this is going to be a hard-hitting documentary on HBO about Taco Bell. Um, this felt super like this like like it was cute. Like I agree with everything you said. I feel like I'm getting kind of '80s nostalgia burnt out in these sitcoms. Um, but but this this felt this did not feel like it belongs in HBO Max at all. Like. Like this should be on ABC or something. I was just kind of thrown off yeah. that we're getting kind of like a cutesy coming of age family comedy. 
on HBO Max, like, it's just, like, I don't know, like... They're trying to compete with the Netflixes, man. You know, like, I Netflix is... Yeah. season's out. Well, the Netflix got, uh, fucking... They took on that one-day-at-a-time show, and so it's like, they're like a one-stop shop for everything Netflix, except Marvel and fucking Star Wars. They got everything else. Stand-up comedy, they got fucking horror, they got everything over at fucking Netflix, so it's like... I, I think HBO Max should just stick with... It does seem out of place, Paul. Yeah, yeah, like stick with kind of like, you know, the edgier, like, you know, series that we're getting, like stick with like, like if you're gonna do comedies, give me more stuff like Hacks. Don't give me Gordita Chronicles. Like it was cute. I watched four episodes. Like it was very, it was very serviceable. I'll probably show this to my kids. I think they'll, they'll love the shit out of it. But yeah, I don't think I need to go back to it. But yeah, it just, Nothing like it didn't feel like anything too special to stick out where I'm like, oh, I have to go back and watch this. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, that was the the Chalupa saga. Um, Chalupa saga. <laughs> oh, the Gordita Chronicles on uh, HBO Max. It's it's a taste. I think it's a good one for the kids. I mean, I I mean, if this would have came out when I was like a teenager, I would have watched this. I would have loved it. You know, but yeah. Yeah, I think I just kind of like aged out of this one. And yeah, it did seem like an odd thing for HBO Max to kind of drop on there. Maybe they've got kids programming on there, though. But it's like the home to Sesame Street. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, that's like on the kids. It, I know. It does. It could be a show that like they were trying to like pass or like sell to different studios or different distributors and nobody wanted it. And Warner Brothers just might have just gave it to HBO Max because I mean, it's it's an it's a Max series. And we get all eight episodes. They're not doing it weekly or anything, so it is very interesting of why they're doing it that way with this seat with this series. So they probably yeah, thought it was that fucking Taco Bell documentary, right, Paul? Yeah, yeah, man. They're like, "Fuck, we got hoodwinked." Yeah, who's this little kid? What? Oh, ah, we got hoodwinked. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't see no Baja Blast anywhere. <laughs> what the fuck? Baja Blast is also in my porn browser, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Baja Blast, fucking mother's milk in this latest episode of The Boys, right, Paul? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I need a shower. I'll take what's behind door number two. Holy shit. <laughs> It was such a good setup because of what happened. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, trust me. People that watch The Boys, they're all dying right now. They're all dying. You know. <laughs> trust you know. Because, yeah, if you know, you know. Let's talk about The Bear on Hulu. Uh, they dropped all these episodes. This is uh, – what's wild – okay. What's wild about this show is you soon forget – why it's called the bear. And they even show you why it's called the bear at the beginning of the first episode. But I'm telling you, I'm through five episodes and I don't know why it's called the bear yet. But I do know why it's called the bear because it's teased, but we haven't gotten there yet. So it keeps you watching. A lot of times, and I want to point this out, a lot of times we get on this podcast and we complain about a scene like a show shows you a scene that happens later on in the movie. And we're like, why'd you have to give that away? Why couldn't that have just happened as we're watching the show? And 
they have found out uh, through all this research that we have short attention spans now. And that's why everybody – that's why it's a fucking TikTok generation and that's why everybody's on YouTube and watching clips and all this shit because we have short attention spans. And so they have to do shit like this. This is like when you watch a show and at the beginning of the show, you see a girl on a ledge and she falls to her death. And then it says, you know, three days earlier and then you get the <laughs> fucking story leading up. It's because if you don't if – if, if they don't tease that shit at the beginning, most people are going to drop off the series. Because we have short attention spans. It's why when we get a fucking teaser trailer now, we get a teaser to the teaser trailer before it starts. They want to show you a bunch of flashy images before the fucking trailer even starts because they know people turn shit off. We don't have the attention spans like we did in the 80s. Fucking in the 80s, Jake, we would fucking anything that was on TV, we would fucking watch because it's on TV. Yes. Yeah, I would willingly watch a goddamn commercial for a half an hour. I remember watching a, I remember, yeah, the Ron Popeil food dehydrator. I had that fucking commercial memorized because it was the only fucking thing on Sunday mornings. <laughs> You're not wrong. It was like either that fucking... or watch the fishing channel. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll take Ron Popeil. Mm-hmm. Wait, so you think that wasn't a dream? I thought that was a dream. I thought it was a dream, too. It wasn't? Yeah. That was a dream? I took it as a dream, and, like, the, the restaurant is the bear. Well, it, yeah, that was totally a dream. Oh, my God. Am I losing isn't my mind? His, isn't that his name, too? Like, don't they call him Bear? Carmine or um, – his name's Carmine. Carmine. Yeah. I want to thank you guys for bringing that to my attention because I the, this whole time I've been wondering where in the fuck is this bear coming into play? I thought, yeah, I, I legit, I took it as a dream and it was like, uh, basically symbolizing that what we learn in the first episode is that the bear is this restaurant that his brother has left. Oh my God. Cause like, I guess when the show first started, I wasn't paying too much attention to it at the Mm -hmm. beginning. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm just watching this scene of this guy unlock this bear and I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. we're going to get there. Thank. My God, thank you. I had no fucking idea. I'm still waiting for this bear to show up. Yeah, I've only seen the first two episodes, but it's uh, it's definitely great. Um, well, yeah. let me uh, let me break down the synopsis. Carmen Brazado, a brilliant young chef from the fine dining world, is forced to return home to run his family sandwich shop, the original beef of Chicagoland. After a heartbreaking death in his family, a world away from what he's used to, Carmen, uh, Carmi must balance the soul-crushing reality of trading in Michelin star restaurants for the small business kitchen filled with strong-willed and recalc- recalcitrant staff and his strained familial relationships, all while grappling with the impact of his brother's suicide. And it stars Jeremy Allen White. Uh, I guess he is in Homeland and Shameless. I've never seen this guy before. He looks like a really? young he looks like a young Gene Wilder to me. I don't watch Homeland or Shameless, so I've never uh. seen him before. So he looked like a young Gene Wilder. Um, uh, Ibon Moss, Bachrock, Ayu Adabari, Abby Elliott, Lionel Boyce, Maddie Matheson, and Liza Colanzayas. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's a story uh, about – yeah, I mean this was one of the up-and-coming young chefs. He was featured in uh, – what do they call it? Uh, uh, the Wine and – Food and Wine magazine is like one of the top young chefs. And um, 
his brother ends up committing suicide and he feels like this need to go to the family restaurant and, and help out. And, uh, they're in a lot of debt and the staff there just doesn't care. It's like it, it, they're going from just making just, just sandwiches to like, this guy is really incorporating a system and, you know, trying to put out the best sandwiches. And he's really trying to make a cohesive line. And you've got people that are bucking him. His brother is just like, you know, we've done it this way and this is how we're going to do it. You know, fuck off. And he's really trying to turn this into something special because he has that ability. And, um, there is this young sous chef that gets hired. Uh, what's her name? Sydney. And mm-hmm. she's, she's, she's a believer in him. She knows this guy. Her dream is to cook food, to be a chef. And so, and she knows that this guy is, he's the real deal. So she wants to be under him and learn from him. And so she's helping him out. And then there's like another young, like, uh, protege that they're, that they're working with. What's that guy's name? I like him. Is it Marcus? Yes. Oh, the, the bread the guy, guy the guy that's like making, making the bread, the he's making the cakes yeah. and like, he's starting to get serious. And, but then you've got like, you know, some of the older cooks back there that are set in their ways and they're bucking the system. They don't want to do it their way. So it's like, it's this, it's, it's, it's about him learning respect and it's about him trying to earn their respect so that they'll follow him and turn this into something. And things just fucking go wrong in every episode, whether it's like the power going out or like, um, the fucking, uh, um, uh, health inspectors coming there and giving him a bad grade and, uh, finding out what his brother's doing on the side that's all fucked up. There's all these things against them. But it really, like, when there, there are scenes of them cooking in the kitchen and they're on the line and you can just see how stressed out this guy is. And they really make, like, the kitchen, like, this really fast paced, hectic environment. And there's, there's scenes of this guy, like, basically, like, sleep cooking. He's, like, almost sets his, doesn't he, like, set his apartment on fire, Paul? Yeah, he's like cooking like paper. Yeah. Yeah. And he like he wakes up because he's having like a vivid dream. He wakes up and his entire stovetop is on fire. Yeah. Like it, 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 he's, this guy's beyond stressed out. Um, but uh, I'm going to tell you, so I'm through five episodes. I believe there's other eight. Yeah. Eight episodes. Yeah. Eight. I, I'm through five. And, and this is this is one of the best things I've seen this week. Um, this, this show is fantastic. Uh, this is an absolute Tupperware and, um, that, you know, I, I couldn't, I I couldn't be pulled away from it. I I wanted to watch more. I actually wanted to knock out the whole season before we got onto this episode. I enjoy the show so much. Yeah. It shot well. Um, I'm not familiar with any of these actors. Like I said, never watched Homeland or Shameless, but I'm really, I really like the main lead here. Uh, Carmi, uh, this Jeremy Allen White is fantastic. Um, yeah, but this is the bear on Hulu and it's a Tupperware from me. Um, Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I watched the first two episodes and I very much like this show too. It's a, a very high tasted for me. Uh, I plan on watching more episodes. I, I could see it being a Tupperware. It seems like it just gets better and better from what you're saying. And yeah, I just thought it was just such a great cast of supporting characters and just two really solid main characters. I was very sucked into what was going on. I thought the chemistry about 
like the restaurant and all the stuff going on with it was really good. Uh, I thought the second episode was even better than the first. Um, one character who I wasn't very warm to in the first episode, I really warmed up to into the second episode. So it's it's kind of like a dramedy. There there was definitely moments where I was laughing out loud, but it, it gets very serious at times too. And uh, yeah, it really sucks you in. I like that it's a half an hour format instead of a, being an hour long show. I think that really helps the pacing of it a lot. And yeah, I think there's something to be said about I, too, didn't recognize anyone in this cast. Um, Michelle watched the first episode with me, and she said the main character is the best character in Shameless. So I'm not surprised they would She's go, right. ahead, yeah. go ahead and give him a series. But yeah, I had never seen this guy before at all. And yeah, I, I thought he was great. I, he definitely deserves a series after seeing this. And uh, yeah, a very high tasted. I, I could see this being a Tupperware, Tupperware when I finish it. I mean, if you're, if, if, if you're a fan of the movie uh, Chef with John Favreau. Like, this isn't, like, cut... It's not the same fucking movie, but if you enjoy seeing people just make, you know, food and work in, like, uh, uh, in, in the restaurant setting, um, this show's going to hit it for you. I, there's just nothing like this on TV. It's... it's sorry, I, I got a kitten here on my lap going nuts. Um, there, I, there's just nothing I can compare this to on TV right now. It, it's just, it's hitting a different spot for me. It's a, I, I really enjoy this quite a bit. Um, Steve, what did you think? Well, full Tupperware. Uh, this is a great show. I've only seen the first two episodes, but yeah. Um, yeah, I know the main character from uh, shameless and yeah, Jake, Michelle's correct. He is the best part of shameless. Uh, he's the main reason I kept returning to Shameless. I, I stopped after a while, and I, I've, I've gone through like six seasons out of like the 10 or 11 that it has. But yeah, he was definitely the best of it. I've never seen Homeland. Um, but yeah, I don't know anybody else in this cast, but it's a fantastic cast. And uh, it the first episode alone is gripping. And uh, mm -hmm. you'll either you'll – either, the, the first episode is I, – I, I, again, I've only seen two episodes, but I feel the first episode is the series. And Brian, you said you've seen the first five, so I'm assuming that's all it's going to be like the way the first episode went. So if you don't like the first episode, I, I don't think you'll continue on. But otherwise, like this show's gripping. Um, I love the dialogue, the writing, the the camera and the, the cinematography and everything else. Uh, but I got to ask because uh, I know it's closer to you guys than me. Does this feel like Chicago to you? Hmm. I mean, it has. It, I mean, they they reference Chicago. You know, isn't that where they are right yeah, now? Yeah, they're in Chicago. Right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. Don't know. I mean, I think Chicago. I think of like Portillos and Italian beef sandwiches. So, I mean, it definitely. It didn't seem like what they were doing was sacrilegious as far as being Chicago, but it also mm -hmm. didn't like necessarily bleed Chicago to me. There wasn't like inside jokes for people from Chicago and a sort of thing or whatever. Like, well, there's there, I don't, there, there's a moment in I think it's the fifth episode where like you know their brother-in-law has a Chicago Cubs fat head on his wall, and they're like, he's like, oh, you would be a Cubs fan. He's like. He's like, yeah, I'm a fan. He's like, uh, who's the first baseman? And he names up the first baseman. So they do get, you know, they do throw some Chicago right. stuff. Okay, in there. cool, cool, cool. Yeah, no, I'm definitely excited to, to finish the season overall. And yeah, it, this is definitely one of the the better, just well shot shows. I'm, again, I'm surprised that FX, while I know they're team with Hulu, I'm surprised the whole season was released at once. Yeah. Because this is something I'm, I'm really excited to go back to. And while I'm happy the whole season's out, like, 
this is one of those shows that I think might have been better if you had to like two episodes a week sort of thing but uh hulu it, hulu, hulu picks and chooses some of the yeah. stuff that they that they put out it's uh i believe when do they drop woke all at once which just got canceled I by the way i think so but well like the old man or whatever that new show with jeff bridges and christopher mm-hmm. lloyd is that weekly that's weekly but they drop three episodes so they'll either do like the one episode yeah. or they'll drop three episodes or they'll you know or they'll or they'll just drop it all at the same time. Sorry. Come on, buddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, oh, what was, I had something to say. I can't remember. Uh, let's hear from Paul. Paul. Yeah, uh, I watched this entire series uh, as soon as I started. I just, I couldn't stop. Um, and it was really nice because I used to work in a restaurant, um, like a Greek restaurant. Like, it wasn't kind of a whole in the place like this, but... A lot of the lingo, especially like, you know, kind of having all the leftover stuff or the stuff that wasn't used by Sunday, you make a, you know, you make a huge feast out of it and you put it on the back table for everybody at the restaurant to eat. Um, I, I adore this. This is, this is the best thing I've watched all week. And this is right now my favorite TV show of the year. I think it does such a good job. Um, and Brian, you're, you're five episodes in. There is not a side character, so like there's no character from this cast that is ever wasted. Like they are always there to like to to, to propel the story. And the only character, like the only actor I knew was Oliver Platt. Like that was the only guy I recognized. Oh yeah, yeah, he is in this. Yeah, yeah, and like a lot of this bucks. Like you know, there there there's like a lot of times where you're like oh, they're going to do this, and they do it, but they do it in such an unconventional way. And, you know, we get some amazing cameos uh, from, you know, uh, Joel McHale had had a great yeah. little pop-up. Molly Ringwald. Molly, Molly Ringwald. Um, I'm not going to give it away, but in, in episode six, uh, it's, uh, it, it's predominantly a flashback episode where we – we get to meet the brother that committed suicide. Ooh, fuck. Okay. And who they get to play him is so fucking satisfying. Okay. Um, when I watched the first episode, I'm like, oh man, dude, this is this is billed as a comedy, but it is not that funny. But by the time we get like two, three episodes in, and Brian, um, man, I had to pause it on the ecto cooler part because I almost pissed my pants. Oh, when he made the ecto cooler. When he made the ecto cooler. Oh my god! Out. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I just remembered. I just remembered. Oh my god! Yeah, that was insane. <laughs> oh man, it must be nap time. Oh shit, that's, that's, that's weird. <laughs> just that had to be an ecto cooler. The fucking. Oh the, my god! Just the shot of the yard in that scene. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> if you're, if I'll, I'll say this. The first episode is so hectic and there's so much so much going on. It's very stressful to watch that if you're a former smoker, it makes you want to smoke a cigarette after watching that. Wait, oh, I can see that. Seven, man. Episode, episode seven is like – it's like a continuous shot on their busiest day so far. Yeah. And in the kitchen, like it's pretty much that for the entire episode. And it's – it man – I, I needed a cigarette. I don't even smoke cigarettes. Um, 
but yeah, like I, I think this is fantastic. I, I think it does a great job um, showing the the positives and negatives of you know like of addiction. His brother was an alcoholic and drug addict, and it shows like the horrors of that. But then it shows like it shows the positive effects of addiction because Carmi is very much addicted to cooking, mm-hmm. and he's using it as his outlet, you know, to really kind of process and like we see so much growth from all these characters where there there was characters i hated in episode one you know same as jake where i'm not to the point like it's up until like episode five where this person like i'm really like oh my god this person might be my favorite character no this person might be like i just i love I, i i fall in love with all of them um and i think it's such an amazing show and you know, like it's 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 just yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about this shit. Yeah, it's, it's so fantastic, good. man. I was hooked from episode one. I, I I absolutely love it. There's just really nothing like it. I just it's called the bear. I just when are they gonna cook that bear? <laughs> <laughs> Some bear, bear nuggets. That, the bear that was weirdly left out on top of a building in Chicago. Yeah, it's bizarre. That was the part that reminded me the most of Chicago. All the bears on roofs. Oh my god, dude! It's a, it's a fucking problem, Jake. <laughs> I, I'm glad to see a show finally address it and not just completely ignore it. I know there used to be, I know there used to be PSAs about it all the time, but it it did stop. <laughs> Only you can prevent wild bear attacks. Only you can prevent me from ending up on a fucking roof. <laughs> <laughs> Ma, we got another bear on the roof. <laughs> anyway, we break. Oh, there he is. There's my guy. <laughs> I was wondering where my guy was. There he is. There you are, my guy. How you doing, my guy? <laughs> I am very caffeinated and very much have to pee. Oh, there, there's there's my little man. There's I my... tried to pee and then fucking Steve asked me about Chicago. Uh, Fuck. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's let's take a break for Jake. A little Jakey breaky. We'll be right back. Still in good pop, bad pop. And we're going to be talking about the future of on Netflix. And so it's like the future of, and then they have a particular thing that they talk about. And it's about the future of something or other. So like the first episode was like the future of, was it the future of dogs? Yes. And it was like. Dogs talking to you. Dogs talking to you. And uh, yeah, the, the, years ago there was this. uh fucking thing called bowlingual and it was a collar that you put on your dog and it was supposed to listen to their bark and their noises and it would light up with a different color 
with a different description as to what your if your dog was hungry or sad or it was a hundred percent bullshit. <laughs> but they were selling they were selling these things like crazy because people want to know what their dogs are thinking and how they feel and all this stuff. Um, and then the second episode was like the future of uh, of dating online and how to and uh, finding your perfect match and using artificial intelligence and uh, uh, all this stuff to to uh, they were talking about uh, it it uh, putting two people in the same place so where they could have like their their meet cute and have their little story of how they met, but it's an app that's putting them together. And then I, I watched three episodes and then the third episode was about plants and, and, uh, you know, biologists and botanists. What are they going to do to them plants? Modify the plants and all this other shit. I, you know, this series is fine. I just didn't think it was fun. It's, it's, uh, it's narrated and, uh, uh, hosted by, uh, uh, journey Smollett She's fine. I just I was hoping that it would be a little bit more fun than it was. It, it wasn't. It, it's interesting to see what they're what they're trying to do, but it'd be nice if they had like an element of of fun with it as well. It just felt. I like educational stuff, but I also like it to come from a place where it's a little bit more entertaining than what we got here. You know, um, yeah, super sterile. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so we could talk about some of the stuff in the episode, but it's, 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 it's a taste it for me. Uh, I, I probably won't go back to this show. Um, as much as I am interested in the future of the technology and stuff like that, it's just the presentation here is just kind of, kind of boring to me. Um, but you got that, that the one lady talking about the plants in the in the third episode and and uh, she's talking about, you know, what if you had plants that could tell you the quality of air in your home by them changing colors? Like what if a plant turns purple and it's like, oh, shit, you know, the, the air is bad in here. And, um, you know, what if what if you're stressed out when you're sleeping and your plants could pick up on that and they start to give off a lavender scent to calm you down as you're sleeping and and all this stuff and at the end i i think i think at the end of the day she just wanted to get fucked by a tree or something i don't and she was she was very just an evil dead fetish yeah she wants to get banged by some roots it was just she was just really into plants guys anyway <laughs> I, I hate to see what's on her browser um but uh it was interesting it was interesting um, but, uh, nothing that I think I'd go back to and, and it's just the presentation wasn't as fun as I was hoping it would be. I was hoping it'd be a little bit more adult too. It just felt too family friendly and I don't know, whimsical. Maybe, I don't know. I just wasn't really into it. So it's a taste it for me. Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I think I liked it a little bit less than you even. I, I'm going to give it a low taste it. Uh, some of it was interesting, but a lot of it didn't even feel like real science. A lot of it just felt like guesswork and yeah, really stuff wasn't really explained as to why they came to certain conclusions. And honestly, I thought some of it was quite bullshit, um, especially like in the dating episode. They talk about how great it would be to like use this app where you, you know, you have these meat, meat cutes like you were talking about and you spontaneously run into someone. And I was like, you know, in no universe do you click. You're online 
And you're not going to just be thinking about how you're going to interact with this person that you're going to meet. I, I just find it completely impossible that you could create this spontaneous meet cute in the way they presented. Like your brain is not going to shut down. Like the minute you click, I'm online and I'm ready to be led into a, a date into meeting someone. Everything's going to kick in the nerves, the anxiety the what am I going to do? Like, I, I just don't understand how they can achieve what they're actually putting out there. It seemed like a bunch of bullshit to me. It's it's a forced meet cute. It's it's by no yeah, it's by a no means fucking meet cute. Yeah, it's, that's it's not spontaneous. That's the opposite of spontaneous. That's zero. saying I'm online yeah. and available for this. Set me up for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's there's no spontaneity in that. Um, I got through three episodes and I was just like, okay, that's enough. I I, I get it. They're very short. You know, anywhere from like 15, 19 minutes. They're very short. It's it's not a it's not a big watch. Um, Steve, what did you think about the future of on Netflix? I actually missed this one. I did not. I was not able to see it this week. Good call. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, I am. I'm at a low taste. And at first, I thought this was like, I thought this was a satire. Uh, like it just seems so goofy, like dogs talking. And it, but but then you just got like, it wasn't like. Like you said, it wasn't fun. Like it was just so – and Jake said sterile. That's like the best part. But I just kind of thought it was all conjecture and kind of horseshit. Like they were kind of giving us some off-the-wall stuff of – Oh, yeah. You know, like, they were talking about a dog internet where your dogs get on the internet. It's, yeah. a, it's an internet for dogs. <laughs> So your dogs get on there and looking at fucking like videos of like other dogs sniffing butts or humping trees or what? Like what the fuck are they watching? <laughs> dog stepsisters. <laughs> oh, you can set up a play date with another dog. Like fuck off, my. Oh my god, my pets would not give a fuck about the internet. Oh no, they're they're, they're acting like you know the dog is going to choose to like leave you one day, like. Like, what the fuck? And, and um, the fourth episode was, like, space, and I got super off the wall. Like, I thought I was watching For All Mankind for a sec. You know, oh, in ten years, we're going to build hotels in space that will hold millions of people. It's like, that's not happening. It's not going to happen in ten years. They it's were crazy. talking about that shit when I was a kid. That's not happening. Remember that, Jake? Remember the fucking you? I I I know we had fucking. I I remember opening fucking like science books and shit, and they were showing like what you know, like this is what it's going to be like when people live on the moon. <clears throat> I mean, that shit was in our textbooks when we were kids. That shit ain't happening in ten years, and if it is, it's just going to be for like the elite one percent staying in those hotels. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I'll never go back to this. I at first I thought like I was I thought it was like a satire of like, a you know, like an educational series. But then I was like, oh, man, I think I would enjoy this more as like a, a as a spoof. But no, I, they, I, they should have done an episode called The Future of Netflix, where they talk about all the terrible things that are going to happen to Netflix in the next 10 years. <laughs> no, we can just look at the last 10 years. <laughs> This is going to keep raising prices. No, okay. All right. And but, commercials. And <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how much we want to go, get into this. I, I've only got 
uh, I'm only four episodes deep, but uh, the Umbrella Academy is back. Are you mm-hmm. guys watching the Umbrella Academy? I know Jake doesn't watch this, but Paul, are you watching the Umbrella Academy? Yeah, I finished the third season. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had your time. I don't have the kids and I don't have yeah. school. Yeah, yeah. Steve, are you watching the Umbrella Academy? I finished season three. Jesus Christ, you guys are all over this shit. I, I'm through four episodes. It's um, so good. It, it's God, what a great fucking show, man. What a great yeah. fucking show. I like uh, this season. Um, really, just what I, I didn't go back and do like a season one, season two rewatch. What I've been doing lately because. You know, even with Stranger Things, I, I just don't have the time uh, with every with with the shows that we do and having to watch the content for all these episodes. I just don't have the time to do season rewatches of of these shows, and and I feel like you know the Umbrella Academy definitely I would have benefited from that. But I've been watching like I went and watched a season one, season two recap and they get, they dedicated like 10 minutes to like the first season and another 10 minutes to the second season. And it got me caught up again. And like, it all kind of floods back, you know, you kind of remember, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And it all kind of floods back. And I think just watching season three kind of gives you kind of reminds you as you're going along uh, of like, you know, what you can remember from the first two seasons and why you loved it so much. And um, I'm at a Tupperware for episodes in. I'm just loving seeing our characters interact with the Sparrows and that group and seeing how different they are from the Umbrella Academy. And uh, it was... There's like a, there's an episode where there's a big reveal how their relationship with uh, what's his name the guy the the head of the academy, Argreaves. Yeah, the, their relationship is vastly different than the one that we see with the Umbrella Academy. The Sparrow's relationship with him is completely different. I was kind of I'm I'm I love this show. It is so creative, and uh, Gerard Way, the guy that you know uh, wrote this comic. Um, what an imagination on that motherfucker. I swear. This show is just, this is another fucking thing that Netflix is killing. I, you know, it's like, for as much as I hate a lot of things that Netflix has been doing lately, it's like, you pull me back in with a great season of Stranger Things. You fucking pull me back in with like Squid Game. You pull me back in with the Umbrella Academy. But why do you, why do you gotta cancel shit like Glow? You know, that's the shit that pisses me off. Why do you got to cancel the OA? Why do you got to cancel fucking Archive 81? So, I'm loving it. Um, Paul, you've, Paul, you've seen the whole season, man. I've seen the whole season. And um, you posted on Facebook, you posted that recap. I did. And I watched that. And it really helped me a lot because it's been the last time I watched season two is when it came out in 2020. Um I this is a Tupperware. I absolutely, I love everything about this. I I love the way I I love the music selected for specific scenes. I think the the just like the way they use the bright colors to contrast everything. Um, I absolutely love the Hotel Obsidian. Oh um, yeah, I think that is such a fun. That hotel becomes a character all of its own. Hmm. Um, and it really has a, like, we really get to explore more of it, especially in the last two episodes. 
but yeah, I I'm I'm gonna start shutting up now because it's just you know, like the family's back. Like it's so cool. Like I've missed them. I, I've missed you know their dysfunctionality and um, you know there's so many twists and turns that happen. But yeah, it's an absolute blast and Tupperware all the way. Yeah, what a great fucking show, Steve. Man, you watched the whole fucking season. How'd you pull? How do you pull that off, Steve? Uh, I mean, yeah, we had all day today, and then you got, it came out Wednesday, you know. Yeah, uh, and you didn't you didn't watch any of the future of. You were just like, "Fuck that not. show! I'm gonna watch uh, Umbrella Academy." <laughs> yeah, my history with the Umbrella Academy is kind of funny because I I completely missed season one because everybody was like loving it, and I was like, "I'm good." Like it was one of those things where I just didn't want to jump on the wagon, but then. When I knew that season two was coming, I waited until like the week before and I started watching season one. So I was able to see one and two together. And then, yeah, this season was even better. I love what they're doing with the time travel. I'm loving how they handled the sparrows. Um, Yeah, you're only four episodes in, so I don't want to give too much even with that. But um Claus is still one of my favorite characters. Klaus. Claus is fucking Klaus, in the North Klaus. Pole, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> no, it's not whatever. Hey, the bottom, man. The, Klaus is the fucking fish in, 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 in American Dad, and Claus is Tim Allen in that stupid movie. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then I was honestly not liking Allison's arc for the longest time in this season, but then something happens where I'm just like, oh, and she has a great – uh, scene in general. I love how they handled Victor uh, in general. Oh, that was so cool. It was so simple, yeah. too. Yeah. Like, it was like one, two, three, done, and that was the end of it. And yes. I was just like, this is beautiful. I loved and like the way the rest of his family like found out because of like yes. everything that happened. Like, uh, that was really cool as well. Elliot Page um, did not skip a fucking beat going into yeah. this season. Oh. Just just uh, it's so nice to get to see more of uh, Elliot Page in the series uh, with the team, you know, because that hasn't really been, you know, we haven't seen that character be a part of the team. And that's 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 very cool that we're that we're getting a lot more of that because it was very much, you know, uh, very much separate last season. Yeah, I still I still wish we got more. Um, we get a lot with Ben, but there's still so much mystery, but there's a lot of great stuff with him in general that you'll see later on in the season. And, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know what, what you have and haven't seen, but, um, it's just, it's really, it's really good. I love, I love the sparrows and like just their characters in general, um, well, the one uh, guy. I, I the... want to ask you what? What's where are you with the guy with the headphones? Okay, I well, I I, I know who he is. Okay, and I know what he ends up doing. Gotcha. Okay, yes. so yeah, I just okay. I wish I don't want to say anything else. I don't want to spoil. If you if you want to keep it spoiler free, oh, I, I do, I do, because I'm I'll be finishing this this upcoming week and hopefully I'll be able to talk about my thoughts on the whole season for the next episode. But yeah, I kept thinking like the one guy who, when, when they punch him, it, it affects you. So if you punch him or cut him, like you get cut and you feel it on your end. Yeah. They, they play around with that rule. They, they, they're fast and loose with his powers and the rules and how that it was. Works Cause 
There were times yeah. where where Diego was punching him, and it didn't. Yeah, with Stanley and every. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I honestly feel like I just took it as Diego as a high pain threshold, and was just like, "Fuck it, I'm going." Yeah, for it. it was weird, but like, because like I thought maybe it was just his face, but then they showed the thing with the knife at the at the leg and everything. Yeah. So it was definitely like that. Yeah, definitely fast and loose. And my only other critique on the season is. You get a lot of vibes with like the green screen, like it's very similar to like the yeah. prequels, like Star Wars prequels. This is a pandemic. It look it's a it. pandemic yeah. production, so we're gonna, guys. There's gonna be a there's gonna be about another year of this where we're gonna see some bad effects. So yeah, but that's probably my biggest critique of the se- of the season, though. Like that's how great the story is. Like that's my biggest negative where I can't even tack that much off the the score. Like yeah, it's it's visible, but. Honestly, the story is so well done. You, you can let that slide. I let it slide. It's a pandemic production. The VFX are just not polished. Like the the scene of like their number one when he's like, you know, doing yeah. his uh, 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 handstand pushups on the rail and he jumps off looks so fake and so bad. And I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna let it slide here. There's there there are moments. The 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 fucking the guy that. You punch and he, you know, you feel it on your. Did he or did he not look like if Mark Ruffalo was yep. a, was a half melted candle? Yes, yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like if Mark Ruffalo, the man, had a wick sticking out of his head and you lit it and he started to like melt all waxy. That's that's a that's a Ruffalo. That's a that's a Mark Ruffalo candle man. I thought it was him the whole time. Like he even kind of sounded like him. He very much looks like Mark Ruffalo. Is mm-hmm. it Jake Epstein? Is that who plays him? I don't know. Yeah. The actor looked familiar like I'd seen him in something else. Not Mark Ruffalo related. He actually looked like somebody <laughs> I'd seen before. But I can't recall. So, yeah. Tupperware the fuck out of the first four episodes that I've seen. I really wanted to get back to it and watch more. But I had limited time and I had to watch all the other stuff for this week. But uh, we did watch uh, a movie on Netflix. Jake, you've got. Man, I know you're you're making it a priority to watch, you know, the boys. What what are the two shows? Is it For All Mankind? Is one of them? Yes. Yeah, that should be one of them. And then the boys yeah. is I'm just priority. Like, the thing I'm going to do now is any week we're doing like a big movie yeah. frees up time for me to watch something that I've fell behind on or just never jumped on in the first place. And yeah. Th- those are the first two. I'm going to do the boys during Thor week. I'm hoping to watch all three seasons during Thor week. That would be incredible, man. Be you're in. Awesome. You're in for a fucking ride with that show. Holy <clears throat> shit, man. And then I don't know when For All Mankind will be. I, I, I can't think of what the next Marvel thing will be. Uh, I guess Black Panther. Uh, yeah, November. But that seems wild that we're not going to have a movie episode between. Uh, I got to be forgetting something. Uh, I'm sure there's something. I'm sure there's something. Uh, you know what I what I didn't want to see that I saw this week is the uh, latest trailer for Nope. I wanted to. Oh yeah, yeah. They, t- yeah. they definitely showed something there that I was very shocked that they showed. Yeah, I knew yeah. that. I knew the second trailer. I knew the second trailer was out. That movie already has my money. I've already got my ticket. Mm-hmm. They've, you know, I mean, you fucking, you give me that first trailer. You, sh- all you need to do is show me the name directed by Jordan Peele. That's it. I'm in the theater. This is like my most anticipated movie of the year going forward now, even over Thor Ragnarok. I can't wait to see uh, nah. Thor Love and Thunder. I can't wait to see Nope because for as much as I love Marvel movies, it's like I am like, 
there is a part of me, and I think this summer has kind of proved that there's a part of a lot of people that we just want something new and different. And I think like um, Top Gun Maverick, for as much as it is like a spiritual, you know, spiritual sequel to the original, it was just something so new and different that we haven't seen in theaters in a long time. And I mean, I guess I'm all, you know, I guess I'm just all like CG'd out as far as like certain things. You know, I, I you know, I enjoyed Multiverse of Madness, I high taste it, but man, I, I need it. And I feel like Nope is like this new fucking, it's just a new story. It's something new. And I'm so ready for that. Yeah, I agree. I, it looks so exciting. And I, I think I agree with that trailer it was too much. I wish I wouldn't have seen much. it as well. Yeah, I was forced to, I, I had actively avoided it, Jake, um, actively avoided it when I saw that that trailer came out and then I go to see, uh, the black phone and what do I get? I get the, I get the new Nope trailer. I should have walked out for that moment. I really should have walked out, but it was like, ah, fuck it. I'll watch it. And then I was just like, ah, ah, show me too much. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it at black phone. I saw someone post a still on social media and the still just made me go, okay, I guess I'll just watch the trailer. Yeah. The Man from Toronto, this dropped on Netflix, the world's deadliest assassin and New York's biggest screw-up are mistaken for each other at an Airbnb rental. It's directed by Patrick Hughes. It stars Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson along with Kaylee Cuoco, Jasmine Matthews, Leela Lauren, a bunch of other people. Ellen Barkin's in there. Uh, originally scheduled to be theatrically released by Sony Pictures, uh, the film's distribution rights were sold to Netflix. And, uh, yeah, you've got, uh, Kevin Hart, who's playing Teddy Jackson, who is kind of a screw up and, uh, has been trying to plan this, uh, perfect anniversary surprise for his wife, Lori. And, uh, they end up going to like this, uh, the spa and he, you know, uh, is going to get like this, uh, secluded cabin that he's rented. Well, he prints out, uh, like the itinerary and it has the address on it and everything for the cabin. He drops her off to get her spa day. And then uh, the toner, he didn't replace it in the printer. And so he can't read the number of the correct cabin. And uh, he ends up going into the wrong cabin, a cabin where they are waiting for someone who is known as what is he known as? The man from Toronto with the title of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I thought you were trolling. No. Um, uh, yeah, he's known as the man from Toronto. And he's basically like the guy you bring in. When you need to get information out of somebody, he's like the guy that you bring in to scare him um, to to get the information out of. Like if you need a code, if you need a location, an address, whatever it may be. Like, And it's Woody Harrelson. But he goes in there before Woody Harrelson's character can get in there. And, they, and he's basically trying to play like he's like this guy – that's trying to get information out of this other guy because he doesn't want to be found out and, and get killed. And so uh, then fucking Woody Harrelson's character finds out that he, he took his job from him and he gets involved and it's this, this, they're all over. I don't know. Then they end up meeting up and it's, this movie is, it's a low taste it for me. It had, it had moments where I really enjoyed seeing Woody and, and uh, Kevin Hart together. Like I, I thought like the, the restaurant scene was fun and there was some, uh, there's moments where they're together and it's fun, but overall this movie just did not work for me. Um, they tried to do like this, uh, 
action shot of Woody fighting and they tried to make it look like it was all like filmed in one shot, but like <laughs> the cuts, the way that they kind of like put them together is so bad that you can tell when they're like stitching these scenes together. Mm-hmm. It's so badly done. It's not like Birdman, even it's always sunny in Philadelphia did theirs better. Um, <laughs> the episode where you're following Charlie around, I think, was that the Charlie work episode? Anyway, um, I'm going to give it a low taste it just because there were moments where I did like, some of the interactions between Woody and Kevin, because I like those guys and some of it worked for me, but overall as a movie, I Sony made the right deal to sell this to Netflix. Cause I, I, I can't see this. I don't know if this would have done good in theaters. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I think people, I don't know. People might have loved this fucking thing. What do I know? So it's a low taste for me. Paul, what'd you think about the man from Toronto? I had so much fun with this because it was so fucking, it was so fucking like, I mean, just you kind of reading everything you just read and explain it. It just, it, it's so absurd. And, and that, that gym fight is, is laughable. Like I, I was pissing my pants cause it was just so like, you're trying to sell me on like 60 year old Woody Harrelson taking on like fucking like five of the best hitmen in in the world. But, um, you know, like there were parts where I was just like laughing my ass off, but like it was a good mix. Like it was a good mix of just it's so dumb. It's entertaining to me. And like some actual funny moments like I loved I loved all the stuff that was going on with Kevin Hart and that Santoro guy having to <laughs> having to watch his wife. Um, I fucking died when when they introduce him and you know, Kevin Hart's like, no man, like he will not be with my wife. And he points that one agent. He goes, why don't you get this ugly piece of shit to do it? Um, so yeah, I definitely, I was in a, yeah, I had a lot more fun with this than you did. And I think it's just cause I do enjoy kind of the really dumb shit that to me is entertaining. So it, it's a high taste for me. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Steve, the man from Toronto. I was not able to see this one. What are you doing? You're just watching the umbrella Academy all fucking week, Steve. <laughs> it was really good. What? Did you fucking enroll in the umbrella Academy? <laughs> oh, I wish. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, instead of spoiler, Steve, I'm going to call you St- fuck around, Steve. Fuck around and find out. Am I right? Hey. Uh, All right. Wow, Steve. Uh, I took a shot. Yeah, I'm glad you're not a pilot because you can't land shit today, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) He's like Bizarro Scully. It's not Scully is in the X-Files, Jake. You're thinking of Sully. Oh, Sully, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Speaking of not landing, it's like no contact boxing. Oh, that's true, Paul, which is a, an element of the man from Toronto. I've, I've been taking boxing lessons, everybody. I haven't, I've no, told him. No touch? Uh, well, I mean, I'm hitting pads. 
I'm not hitting the air. Something, though. I'm hitting pads. All the while without the owl. <laughs> but, oh, my God, I'm telling you, I've been, uh, I've, I've been taking boxing lessons, and they're 30 minutes a piece, and uh, it is the most – like, by the end of it, I'm just dead because it's, like, insane cardio. It is insane. I'm just dead by the end of it. So yeah, it's fun though. If anybody can take boxing lessons, check it out. It's it's a great workout. Anyway, Jake, what did you think about the man from Toronto? Oh, I hated this movie. I thought it sucked all the balls. Um, I was really excited to see this movie too. I thought the last Kevin Hart Netflix outing, uh, Fatherhood, was really, really, really good. And so I had high hopes for this. I really didn't know what I was getting into. And yeah, I just thought everything was just so paint by numbers in this movie. I thought Woody Harrelson seemed like he was on some kind of downers for most of the movie. Like he just did not seem into this at all. I, my jaw dropped when you said that this was going to be a theatrical release at one point. Like I can't see that for the life of me. Um, I thought the action was really shitty. I didn't really care for the unexplained physics that would happen every now and again with how far people would go flying when they were doing certain <laughs> things. Like all that seems so out of place to me. I thought oh, it was a missed opportunity to not have anyone of notoriety playing any of the other man from fill in the blanks. Um, that made no sense to me. Um, yeah, I didn't think this movie was ever funny at all. The only time I slightly laughed was the first time Teddy did an interrogation having to pretend to be the the man from Toronto. I thought that was slightly funny um, with the vomit humor. Um, other than that, though, I never even cracked a smile during this movie. And it was just so fucking predictable. Weak ass action. Like you said, they really cheat the long cuts. And it's just so fucking bad. Mm-hmm. Um it's yeah, like it's, it's like it's like the the it's like they got the VFX and action choreography team from the Kingsmen and then they they fucking kept them up for like 4 days straight and then drugged them and said now make these action scenes <laughs> yeah, and you know i i'm not against action looking like that but i didn't think this movie was consistent with it and that's what made it like so weird to me it was just like every now and again that kind of shit would happen and it felt just really out of place and not like the tone of this movie um and yeah you saw how this was going to end like a mile away like i never saw a trailer for this but i'm sure i could tell you how this movie was going to end if i saw a trailer for this like i i don't know just it had a very been there done that feel and uh i thought woody harrelson was really uninspired in his performance this was total trash uh, so it's a toss it from you yes okay yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't the biggest fan either. And I, I like both these guys. And it's not like, you know, I've seen Woody Harrelson in some great fucking shit, man. And he's, I've seen him be a great villain before, too. I mean, he was really good in uh, the that Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah, for sure. I Yeah, I like both these guys as well. I just, um, this script was, was garbage. Yeah. Yeah, Paul, you like... You like trash, dude. You know I like trash. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking movie dumpster dive. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. Oh, my God. Uh, Beavis and Butthead, Do the Universe. Uh, this dropped on Paramount+. Plus. 
After a creative judge sentences them to space camp, a black hole sends our adolescent heroes 24 years into the modern future where the duo misuse iPhones, embark on a quest to score, and become targets of the deep state. So, yeah, I was like, I was, I was wondering, like, why it was called Beavis and Butthead do the universe because they don't really travel around the universe. They just go to space. But I think when they entered that black hole, they made it look kind of like a vagina a little bit. So is that where it's where they do the universe, Jake? Correct. Butthole. Yeah, yeah, it was maybe it was it was anal. Yeah. Yeah, because I think he says like it looks like a butthole, and yeah, he just starts to try to swim away. That's true. Yeah, uh, it's directed by John Rice and Albert Caleros, and written by Mike Judge and Lou Morton. It's the second film based on the animated television series Beavis and Butthead. Uh, yeah, so they travel from 1998 to 2022, and they encounter parallel universe versions of themselves and are hunted by the U.S. government. And. Um, yeah, Jake, what'd you think about uh, Beavis and Butthead do the universe? I'm going to give this movie a Tupperware. I, I was shocked at how much I was laughing while watching this. I, I love that it still had that mostly hand-drawn feel with just a few exceptions. And I thought the comedy was like both stupid and brilliant at the same time throughout most of this movie. I, I don't even want to like spoil what my favorite jokes are because if you're a fan of the old Beavis and Butthead, I, I this is a must must watch. Like what they do with these characters and some of the bits they do, I, I was just shocked. Um, you know, very juvenile, very potty humor, but then you know some really on the nose stuff with current events today. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm not the biggest Mike Judge guy, so I didn't expect to go in and just laugh hysterically as much as I did while watching this, but. Yeah, I fucking loved this. Did you watch the Beavis and Butthead reboot on MTV that they did for that one season? Yeah, it wasn't very good. You're fucking out of your mind. I, was, I don't I don't remember liking it very much. I I thought it was fantastic. You could tell that Mike Judge's comedy has like matured. He's matured and his comedy matured and I thought it was great. I that if that, Paramount has that, maybe I, maybe I should revisit it because they like watch like other TV shows in that one, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, it's oh, it, seriously. I think like if you go back and watch the old episodes, I loved them for that time. But my my, you know, my I've matured, and I think my comedy has matured. That you know, now that I'm older, it takes a little bit more than you know to get me to laugh and you know all that shit. And I think. His comedy matured, and I enjoyed that. I I fucking loved that new season that they put out. Oh, God, I want to say, like, it came out in, like, 2014 or 2015 or something like that. I thought it was great. Okay, I'll give it another chance if it's on Paramount. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm a big Mike Judge fan. I love Mike Judge. King of the Hills, probably my favorite animated series of all time. Um, I can go back and watch those episodes all the time. I just love that show. But uh, You know what's hilarious on a side note is there's a big debate going on in Japan right now on whether or not you should watch King of the Hill subbed or dubbed. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it really reminded me of like the stuff we do with like Squid Game and like anime and stuff. And it just cracked me up to know like over there it's the same thing with our shows like just a huge debate about whether you're missing out if you're watching the uh the sub that's hilarious um steve were you watching the umbrella academy or did you make time for beavis and butthead 
No, I made time for Beavis and Butthead. Uh, I am, uh, I don't know, I'm at a, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm at a low taste it, I guess. It's fine for what it is. I, I never watched or was into the show when it was, uh, you know, big in the 90s and everything. I chuckled a few times throughout the, uh, throughout the movie um but you know it was it was all right like 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 jake said there's a lot of uh you know pie jokes and everything there's definitely the premise is funny and i'm and i'm i'm laughing at things i shouldn't be laughing at but like you know it's 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 okay but um yeah it, it's it, it i think like what jake said if you're a beavis and butthead fan i think you definitely should check this out um it's 86 minutes i think so it's really fast but um yeah it's I don't know. It's whatever. I'm not, you know, so it was, it was fun. It was entertaining, but I'll, this is something I'd never like revisit or anything. Okay. Sorry about that. I had technical difficulties on my end. Paul, uh, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't get cable until like 2001. So I'd never, I never had any experience w- w- with Beavis and Butthead, and I may get some shit. I never watched King of the Hill either, so I don't have a lot of, you know, um, experience with this. So, but man, I I hated this. I turned this off um, and watched The Umbrella Academy. I I could not get like I just I I've seen the characters, but just like to just always hear like the <laughs> like I was like, oh fuck, dude. So I know I'm, it, it's crazy to, to be so high a man from Toronto and hate this, but I just – I couldn't even finish it. And it would probably be a lot different if I was able to watch this when I was like, you know, in the 90s. But I just never – I never grew up on it, never watched it, and I just – I just was not into the humor for this. Paul, I think that you're going to have the last laugh – in about 20 years when people are still talking about the man from Toronto and everyone, <laughs> everyone has forgotten about Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead, they just, they just don't have legs. They, but the man oh, yeah, from Toronto, no, have... the man from Toronto, that, that is an iconic movie that is going to stand the test of time, sir. I didn't even say it was a good movie. I enjoyed it because it was Paul, shitty. I'm not, listen, I'm not making fun of you. I'm not making fun. Paul, I'm not making fun. I'm just, <laughs> Paul, I'm all about facts right now. And the man from Toronto, I'm telling you, you're going to have the last laugh on this You're so full of shit your eyes are broke. No, no, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, the man from Toronto is going to stand the test of time. It is going to be like the Citizen Kane that came out in 2022. People are not going to be talking about Beavis and Butthead. Don't don't worry, Paul. They did the same thing to me when I said I love Sausage Party. It just, They're going to have a TV show uh, starring Matthew Good on the making of the Man from Toronto in twenty years. Is what you're saying, huh? No, I'm saying that children are going to be wearing the Man from Toronto T-shirts. I'm telling you, <laughs> the Man from Toronto cinematic universe was born this week. <laughs> oh shit, man! I just got my Teddy Jackson figure. It came with boxing gloves. So fucking awesome. Anyway, I'm going to give it a high taste. I liked it quite a bit. I grew up watching Beavis and Butthead. I fucking I, I, I enjoyed the show when it came out. It was just Jake. It was just so fucking different. You know, it was like MTV was fucking just giving us something different. And I like how the characters are. They, they found an interesting and fun way to, to bring them into our 
our timeline, 2022, catch them up with our timeline. Um, <laughs> Jake, when they're when they're using that simulator and that that <laughs> the, 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 the docking it's smacking its ass with the hand. <laughs> <laughs> they have a docking simulator and it just looks like the, it just looks like the shuttle's fucking this other shuttle <laughs> and it <laughs> and they get so good with it you're right they're using that arm to smack its ass <laughs> i was dying <laughs> I couldn't believe I was like I actually watched 40 minutes of this during the trailers for Black Phone. Yeah. And the people around me must have thought I was fucking insane because I don't know what was on like, the movie theater screen. But I'm like in like tearful laughter. So it's probably like the nope trailer and I'm just fucking dying. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I thought I thought so it was, I've had it with trailers. Unless it's something yeah. I really want to see, I'm watching something for PCL for 35 minutes of trailers these days. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I I enjoy this. I enjoy this quite a bit. It's a high taste it for me. Um so. Dude, I loved the uh, smartest versions of themselves. Oh yeah. That was fucking hilarious and some of the jokes they did there were really funny. Yeah. Oh fuck. Uh when they when they went to that multiverse and you could see all the different versions of, versions of them at the end there was one that looked like lobot did you see him yeah i did a pause to look at all the different versions i yeah. thought that was super cool there was a lobot beavis <laughs> <laughs> i like the mushroom ones yeah yeah the mushroom ones it's <laughs> really good oh uh, man this movie was i thought it was fucking hilarious i, I was shocked at how much i love this thing I, yeah. I would watch this again tonight oh man yeah funny movie uh Players on uh, Paramount Plus uh, series follows a fictional pro league. <laughs> laughing about that docking and the smack of the ass. <laughs> Sorry. But <laughs> they did it for like 15 hours straight or some shit. Yeah. I laughed really hard when she talked about like all the different, you know, men and women and dogs yes. and monkey. Yes. <laughs> and when that came back later, I couldn't believe it. Oh man! Players on Paramount Plus uh, the series follows a fictional pro league of legends esports team as they pursue their first championship after years of close calls and heartache. To win it all, they will need their prodigy, a 17-year-old rookie, and their 27-year-old veteran to put their egos aside and work together. It's a mockumentary television series created by Dan Peralt and Tony Ascenda. It's uh, the the guys that. Uh, we're behind American Vandal on Netflix, a series that everyone loved, and I fucking hated it. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, it's a parody of sports documentaries. It follows a fictional League of Legends esports team called Fugitive Gaming, and uh, sports docuseries like Cheer and Formula One Drive to Survive are inspirations for the show. And... Um, how many episodes are, are four episodes out? I've or five. Five are out now. Five are out. I've seen three. Uh, I watched two. Okay. Uh, yeah. Start off with you, Paul. What did you think about players? Um, one thing my my sleepy nighttime show lately has been a rewatch of The Last Dance. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad I rewatched that because this is like the complete spoof of that to the point like. You know, like they're showing the timeline moving from, you know, like it's all the same way. Like even to the point 
when this series opens, uh, cream cheese is sitting the exact same way, looking out a window that Michael Jordan's looking out at the beginning of the last dance. So, and they're using very similar music throughout the, uh, throughout the series. So I thought it's kind of ballsy to parody yourself after the last dance, but it, it works. Um, I was at a taste it. I thought it, I, I, I think it, it's got some really funny. I think it's got some really funny moments. Um, I thought it was starting to get stale, but then the very end of episode five, like they kind of show you where they're really going to take this. So it kind of moved me up to a high taste it. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to at least watch the next episode to see if it's going to continue to kind of stop just being this little parody joke and kind of give us some uh, substance to it. But I thought like, I mean, you know, there's a lot of funny parts and I do kind of like the characters, but like some of it was just kind of being overplayed. I was getting annoyed with the whole cream cheese thing, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm really starting to kind of enjoy it right now. I I didn't like when I first started watching this, I didn't know it was a, a mockumentary. At first, that's funny. So I was, and so like when weird things started happening, I was like, this is fucking weird. (laughs) And then, and, and then I looked it up and then I was like, oh, this is, this is a mockumentary. Holy shit. Okay. Now this makes sense. Um, which for me, I don't know, speaks volumes. Cause like I didn't remember these guys from, uh, American Vandal. Cause I, I just thought that that joke was overplayed and, I didn't. I know, like everybody loved that fucking show, but I just, I for me, it's just like you know, I just could never get into it. But uh, I actually like once I found out this was a mockumentary, I started to like, I started to appreciate it a lot more, and um, and uh, I don't know, I'm having a lot more fun with this series than uh, American Vandal. Um, I'll give it. I, I'm gonna give it a high taste. It. I, I kind of, I kind of like it. I, I got. I, because I'm sucked in now. I want to see how this all plays out with this with this team. And then they had the the one guy who was uh, uh, go- who played Guru. Uh, that's Moses Storm plays him. He did that trash white comedy special on HBO Max, and um, I, I I enjoyed seeing him in this. And I don't know. I, I think Jake. It sounded like you made a little noise, and it's like you hated this, didn't you? Yeah, I did hate this. This was a toss it for me. I just, I don't know. It's just, I guess I didn't get the joke. Um, I knew it was a parody, but I, I don't know. It felt like a long, drawn out version of the King of Kong that just, like, I was never invested in these characters or thought it was funny. Um, I don't know. It was poorly written potty humor. It, it just, I didn't care for this at all. I, after the second episode, I was like, I, I never want to see another episode of this again. Hmm. Uh, I didn't care for cream cheese or nut milk or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> 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 mm, mm, mm. Nut milk, <laughs> nut milk. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone was just so like, and I guess I just don't really know the esports scene. Maybe that would help. I mean, I guess you don't probably either, no. but I didn't really like, them being so full of themselves really didn't mean anything to me other than they were completely unlikable, full of themselves characters. I I just appreciate, I I appreciate how the parody of the art and how well it's done. 
Like it doesn't have to a hundred percent be like super funny to me. It's just the fact that it feels it has that sports docu series feel. Like, like they're really leaning into that. It really feels like a sports documentary, just with like, you know, bizarre things happening and weird things being said every once in a while. And it's just like, you know, they they'll bring up like, uh, oh, like that. What was that? t-shirt that they that he wore that said like you know i still think you're you know it's okay i still think you're a good player and they talk about like oh yeah yeah they talk about that quote and i'm just it's like this big quote that everybody knows and like they get into the whole story of it and it's just like i'm just sucked into the actual story of this because they make it feel like this is like an authentic sports docuseries and I could see how you would like it more than me in that aspect. I'm not as familiar with the sports docuseries, especially a lot of the big ones. So that could mean a lot. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of like Christopher Guest movies. Like I love Spinal Tap and and Waiting for Guffman and, you know, A Mighty Wind. But those are all best in show matters. Yeah, that's another fucking they're all just so fucking good. But, yeah, I guess just the sports doc isn't really my thing so the humor just kind of went over my head for the most part and it's not like i'm really laughing at this i think it's <laughs> i there are times where i do laugh jake but it's just like the just how it feels so authentic it's the authentic feel to this like i'm just i'm really impressed with the with the authentic feel of this i, I don't know i i'm going to keep watching I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually drawn into the fucking story which is bizarre but uh steve what did you think i'm also at a toss it uh i went in not knowing what this was i thought it was a reality show i was like I can't believe brian's making us watch a reality show and i'm watching it and like you're seeing how cream cheese. Why would I like, not? Why would I have people? I we watch reality shows on this every once in I a while. Reality know, dating I, shows. I you you made me watch a show about kids going to get groceries for their parents while they're two years old. I, I get it, but I was just not looking forward. Do you, do you have problems with my list, Steve? Well, can I can I can I talk about players? No, it's a, you get these little digs in there. I can't believe what, Brian's what making me watch a reality show. This is. <laughs> So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna address that shit, Steve. I'm not gonna let that shit slide. Fine, address it after. You, you can't plan. believe that I put a reality show on this list. I can't believe you're calling me out on it on the fucking episode, and then you want to shush me. Shocked, shocked that this was on here. But yeah, I'm watching this. Cream cheese is a total ass. I'm like, there's no way this is real. And then you get to that photo shoot. And I'm like, this. I, I started looking this up. Like, this can't be real, and it's not. And I completely lost interest. And I loved American Vandalism. That was a great uh, mockumentary. That's terrible. This was, this was not so good. No, yeah, it was about it's all about dicks and shit. And it was just like, okay, you played up the one joke. I get it. Huh, who, well, who drew it? I know who drew the dick. <laughs> anyway, I know people fucking Eric Marable. So, all right, that's players. Check it out if you want to. Loot, Apple TV. Uh, in Loot, billionaire Molly Novak has a dream life, complete with private jets, a sprawling mansion, and a giga yacht. Anything her heart desires. But when her husband of 20 years betrays her, 
She spirals publicly, becoming fuel for tabloid fodder. She's reaching rock bottom when she learns to her surprise that she has a charity foundation run by the no-nonsense Sophia Salinas, who pleads with Molly to stop generating bad press with her devoted assistant Nicholas by her side and with the help of Sophia, Sophia and team, including mild-mannered accountant Arthur and her optimistic pop culture-loving cousin Howard. Molly embarks on a journey of self-discovery Giving back to others might be what she needs to get her uh, get back to herself. It's loosely inspired by recent billionaire divorces. Uh, the series is created and written by Matt Hubbard and Alan Yang. Uh, revolves around a billionaire Molly who gets cheated on by her husband of twenty years, and uh, yeah, it's got uh, Maya Rudolph playing Molly, uh, Joel Kim Booster as Nicholas, Ron Funches as Howard, Nat Faxon. That Faxon always reminds me of like uh, of Ed Helms Light. Mm, yeah, a little bit of Ryan Reynolds mixed in there too sometimes. But uh, I like Nat Faxon though. I do. I like Nat Faxon quite a bit. I've seen him in other things. Um, yeah, this is on Apple TV. Paul, you're going to be talking about this on Apple to Oranges. Yes. Yep. What are your thoughts on the on? I've watched. I've watched. They, they dropped three. I've watched all three. What did you think? Did you watch all three? I watched all three, and I'm going to give this a high taste. It. I think it's been kind of the typical setup. You know, like the first episode kind of really lets you know what's happening, but then um, I really started to get the laughs, and especially in episode three is where the heart really comes in. You know, like a, like a lot of like connections and common ground are being met. Um, there are moments where it gets a little overly silly and Maya Rudolph, you know, sometimes can overplay that. But then there's moments where she's just able to really kind of delve into the mindset of this character. And uh, I'm, I'm loving I'm really loving the little side relationships that are being made, especially with her cousin and her assistant. I'm. I'm loving that dynamic of, of them starting to bond, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoying this and I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Cause I think, you know, at the end of three episodes, they're kind of really showing you that it's going to have laughs and it's also going to have a lot of heart to it too. Dude, I fucking episode three with the hot ones. I was dying. I was dying, dude. I was, I was fucking pissing my pants. Like he's get he's getting ready to ask her a question, and her mouth is burning. She's like, "Sean, shut the fuck up." <laughs> he's like, "This is the first wing." <laughs> I was dying. That was so fucking funny, man. I was like, "Yeah, that's why I came to this show." I'm gonna high taste it too. I yeah, I, I, I'm I'm enjoying the show quite a bit. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's funny when it needs to be, and. Uh, She's just out of her element, man. She's just been living like this lavish lifestyle. She has no idea what it's like to be like the common person in America she's, and what we're dealing with. Alan Chang. She's got Alan Chang as a cook and she's asking for a frozen burrito. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was. Uh, yeah. David Chang. It was David Chang. David Chang. I'm sorry. Yeah. He's her personal chef. Makes her like this elaborate fucking dish. And she's like, oh, that's great. She's like, but could you make me a microwave burrito and Pringles? And it's like, it's like, this guy, she has to be paying this guy fucking some insane loot for him to fucking microwave her a burrito and give her Pringles. Like anybody could do that. It's, it's just ridiculous. Um, there's this scene where she's talking to Sophia for the first time, the lady that's like at the head of, the, of her charity. 
and she's showing him pictures of like, you know, some of the kids that they've helped over the years. And then, and then Molly, she looks at a, a picture of uh, the, this elderly couple and she's like, Oh, those, those people look rough. I hope we're helping them. And she's like, those are my grandparents. <laughs> I was, I was like, oh shit! She's got shirts that say, "Is it one o'clock yet?" That she's hanging out to like homeless people. Luxury <laughs> oh, uh, bags. Oh man, uh, uh, it's good. It's good. It's a high taste for me, man. This is something I'm definitely going to be watching uh, week to week. I did. I did finish. I love that for you. And uh, uh, by the way, I wanted to mention that I I love that series. It's fantastic. But uh, yeah, uh, Steve, what'd you think about uh, Loot? Yeah, I was not able to see loot. Jesus, you Umbrella Academy! That's right. Fuck, man. Jeez. Yeah. I can't believe Brian made me watch a reality show, and there you are (laughs) fucking watching watching Umbrella. You didn't watch this shit. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Steve's like, I've had it with you, Brian. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Steve's just like whatever. Steve gets like shorter and like a little bit more curt every time. I know. It's, I don't like. I don't like it when the get. <laughs> I don't like it when the guests don't want to have fun with it, man. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not yelling at you to fucking really. Oh, I know. oh no, I know that. I just. I'm just like. I did. I. This is the. I. I, uh, I honestly forgot about this one. Like I want to check it out, and I. I forgot I was on the list. Hmm. Likely story, Steve. As you're, <laughs> as you're entering the seventh episode of the Umbrella Academy. That's right. Anyway, so Jay- you got to do. Let me give you a helpful tip, Steve. You take a screenshot of the list, and as you watch stuff, you you mark it off. That's what I do. Well, I'm sorry, guys. I didn't do that this time. I no. This is why I'm giving you the handy tip, Steve. Oh, you're yeah. right. my, my pause. Look, my look, look Steve's I, coming. I don't, get so, don't get so aggressive. Jeez. I came right. from a place of helpfulness. No, no, I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm the one being a dick to you, and you're just like, uh, you're right, Brian. You're just uh, rolling over, <laughs> showing me your fucking belly like a little bitch dog, and then Jake fucking gives you a helpful tip, and then you flip out on him, man. This is <laughs> it's fucked up, man. It's like it's like I bully you, and then you then you bully Jake. It's it's a fucking Jake. I'm part of the problem, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> it all stems it all stems from me isn't it you're oh, right man. man it's a horrible system i'm sorry <laughs> it's just it's it's just an avalanche you made steve do to me i know <laughs> i know jake comes in there i'll help hey steve this is what you're gonna need to do fuck you jake <laughs> next time i'll do that okay i'll do it next time you little fucker it's like whoa it's nice to me jake <laughs> 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 oh man it's, it's like that drug commercial i learned it from watching you <laughs> <laughs> anyway ah, jake what'd you think about loot yeah i liked it quite a lot as well it was a high tasted for me i was probably only going to taste it after the first episode but then i once it got going i think it took a little bit too long for the setup part but once the setup part was completed, it got a lot better. I, I thought it has a great group of supporting characters. Uh, I love the accountant. I thought he was—he really shined in the second episode. And, uh, and yeah, I, I thought it's a fun show. Quick, nice half an hour show. Maya Rudolph is 
really good in this role. Like she, she's got the, uh, you know, elite hold my nose up at you kind of thing down. And then her trying to like change that around, but still not being completely hip to it. It's just kind of a perfect role for her. I, this was a lot of fun. You know who her mom is, don't you? Famous, famous singer. She sung a fucking hit song. I, I, at one point I did. I don't know why I can't remember this. Maya Rudolph? Yeah, she's got a famous m- mom at fucking, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Minnie Ripperton, the American singer. What'd, what'd she sing? She sung Loving You, made famous from South Park. Yeah. Loving You. That's her mom. Yeah. Yeah, that's Maya Rudolph's mother. Anyway. So yeah, loot on Apple TV Plus. I I would check this out. What is? Oh, I got a fucking internet thing up. (laughs) Hearing that they do hot ones in the in the third episode though definitely is going to make me watch another episode. It's fucking hilarious, dude. I was I was losing my shit. I lost my I lost my shit in the airplane. I'm not gonna lie. Like I thought that was I saw it coming, but just the way they reacted to the turbulence. Especially her, I I I really lost my shit on that part as well. <laughs> it felt like they got Adam Scott on loan for like a day from Severance. It's like, hey, come over here, Adam Scott. We can use you for a moment. Is he is he in the show ever again? He's a huge part of episode three. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, final thing in uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop is uh, Revealer on Shutter. Uh, Steve, did you watch this one? I don't have Shutter. Oh my God, Jake. <laughs> Steve, let me give you another helpful tip. <laughs> no, wait, no, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to get my head bitten off. Never no, mind. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm in the corner. If he bites your head <laughs> off, Jake, I'll come at him. Don't worry. I got your. I got Steve's number. Someone on this show can always help you access anything you don't have the ability to see. Yeah. I will hook you up. You don't even come to me. You don't even come to me. I want a little, I want a, I want a little initiative. I was stay? busy with Umbrella Academy. No shit. And how long did we talk about that? <laughs> the irony of it all. Brian like opened Umbrella Academy by going, let's not talk about this very long. And Steve's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just Steve's like, that's my whole fucking week. <laughs> I also do not have Shudder and I also did not ask. Oh, my God. What the fuck? It's like, oh, thank you, Paul. Well, Paul, well, that's the only thing I didn't watch, Steve. Yeah, exactly. Fuck you, man. I'm in my own corner. I get it. I get it. Steve had Steve has shades of like Jake from like the first fucking 300 episodes going on this one. Jake, I'm sorry I, I lashed out at you like that. <laughs> no, I'm talking about I'm talking about Jake not watching shit when we first did this show. Now Jake watches more stuff. I appreciate that, Jake. Yeah, I try. I definitely do. Yeah. Oh my god! What? A, what, a, what a, For the most part, it's fun, but then sometimes there's a reveal. Re- revealer. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tensions rise when a stripper and religious prote- protester are trapped together in a peep show booth and must come together to survive the apocalypse in 1980 Chicago. It's directed by Luke Boyce. Uh, it's written by Luke Boyce and uh, comic book writer Tim Seeley. He wrote a he's, – he's written a lot. But I, I – Hack Slash. Hack Slash. I'm a big fan of Revival. 
Uh, and Michael oh, Morrissey. Oh, that's fucking great. Mike Norton draws that. It's like his uh-huh. best work. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, I've met my, uh, I've met Tim Seeley a couple times at conventions and had him sign some books. And Revival's one of my all-time favorites. I, I love that series. Uh, and, and Tim Seeley's actually writing a comic for this that comes out in August. Uh, this one stars, uh, I, if I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure I know how to pronounce her name, but, uh, Kato As, uh, as Angie or Caitlin, and then, uh, Shana Shruton as Sally. Uh, Jake kind of gave it away, but you weren't a fan. No, I hated this. This is a toss it for me. Uh, and I'm, I have nothing against low budget horror. I mean, some low budget horror are some of my favorite movies of all time. I just I don't know what was going on with this. Like it never went over the top enough for me. I thought both characters were extremely unlikable. Um, At some point during the last third of this, they try to like all of a sudden shove fucking morals down my throat in this stupid ass fucking like stripper booth thriller. It just came out of nowhere. I'm like, you're not going to teach me fucking morals and this dumbass shit. I, I refuse to listen to this message, whether or not it's good or, or not. I just I thought the acting was really bad. I, I didn't know Tim Seeley wrote this. I'm actually a little bit surprised by that. But yeah, the, the gore was never over the top at all. The creature design was very, very poor. I, I don't know. I don't see anything redeemable in this at all. Um, I will, uh, I will give it a low taste it. I think it, man, I was hoping for, you know, there is like this religious part to it. And I was hoping for like a little bit more of, uh, like red state from Kevin Smith and, and a little bit more of that. And I don't know, it's, it, it is, it's, it's all over the place. And there's like this moral message. It did make me, th- you know, like I was raised in the Baptist church and it does like incorporate a lot of like, you know, what we were you know, taught in the Baptist church, it gets into like, you know, the book of revelation and the end times and the tribulation and the rapture and all this stuff. And, you know, a lot of that really hit home for me. Cause like, that's, that's stuff that I heard in the church growing up. Um, I think it had its moments, but it's just not cohesive enough. Um, I really wanted to like this, uh, but, uh, I'm going to give it a low taste it. Um, uh, it's on. I agree with that. I, I really wanted to like this too. I, in the very first fifteen minutes, like when like the guy puts the organ through the slot that you're supposed to put money through, I was like kind of rubbing my hands together, like Mr. Burns, like oh here we go, this is going to be a fucking fun ass romp, and then just like nothing really happens for an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I wish I wish I could say a lot more about this movie. Um, but it 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 felt really small, and I, I'm sure it was supposed to be like all these crazy things are happening on the outside of this of this uh, strip club, uh, this peep show business that they have there. I'm sure you know all these other things are happening, but it just felt very like we're just seeing what's happening inside there and. I never really cared for the characters, Jake, and I know it doesn't sound like you cared for them either. Yeah, it was a mockery and almost insulting to like the character types that they're basing him off of. It's like, oh, religious girl, you're actually super, super hot. Who would have thought? I was just like, oh, my gosh, this movie 
<laughs> yeah, I got to give it a low taste. It and uh, yeah, it's sad. I was because I, like I watched the trailer and it looked really, really interesting and like it could be fun. And it was kind of pegged as like a comedy horror, and the comedy wasn't there for me at all either. Like oh, I, there was zero laughs. I can excuse stuff like when there's like you know some good laughs. You know, like if there's bad. CG or if it feels low budget, I can excuse it if it can, if it can, you know, hold my attention and get me to laugh, you know, but this just sadly sure. did not. The setup was just so good too. Like I'm saying, like I, I legit expected this to be fucking super fun just from that first 10 minute setup. I'm like, this is the perfect setup for just total fucking chaos. And there was zero fucking chaos. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, Steve, I want to I want to thank you for joining us for half of this list today. Hey, hey, anytime, man. I'm really glad I was able to join. Please, please have me back. <laughs> why, why would you want to come back and subject yourself to this? <laughs> That's what I don't get. <laughs> Steve, I want to thank you for sweeping my 10 hour pause at the beginning of this episode under the rug. <laughs> Appreciate that. Oh, that was it was it was a long ass pause, Jake. <laughs> Ten hours. That wasn't <laughs> exaggerate that more. It was it was long, man. It was long. Anyway, yeah, Jake, are you, you needing another break, buddy? Ooh, I won't say no. I know you wouldn't. We're gonna take another break. We'll be back with the pop culture leftovers news when we return. Steve, news is something you can participate in. Yes. Because it's just news. I was on a social media blackout all week. Um, I'm not aware of anything that happened. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm gonna bring you the news, Steve, and then you can react to it. Yes. Steve's going to come back and be like, sorry, Brian, I didn't hear a word you were saying. I was rewatching The Umbrella Academy season three. <laughs> yeah. I was at a really loud concert last night. My hearing's not too good. <laughs> can you repeat that? All right. We'll be right back. Well, let me tell you something, brother. You should head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon shopping link for all your shopping needs. Ooh, yeah. The cream of the crop always rise to the top, dig it? Speaking of cream, you can probably buy it on Amazon. Not 100% sure. Yeah. To all my little Hulkamaniacs, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and you will never go wrong, brother. And listen, dude, you can buy those vitamins through the Amazon shopping link on popcultureleftovers.com. Ooh, yeah. I just bought a neon orange cowboy hat and a curtain of Slim Jims. Snap into a Slim Jim. Head on over to popcultureleftovers.com now and use the link. Because what you going to do, brother, when Pop Culture Leftovers runs wild on you. All right, we're back. Hey, Steve, I've got an episode of uh, your show coming up in, uh, in sometime in July. And uh, what if I just showed up to your fucking show and I didn't watch half of the movies? How's that sound? I'd go, okay, which ones did you watch? I'd then figure out from my other guests what they saw, and then we'd figure out the order of movie reviews we'd do that day. Uh, there, there, would be, there would be zero There would be zero backlash. Why are you coming on then, Brian? Why are you even coming on the show then? Th- that's, my, that's a question I've been asking myself this entire fucking episode, Steve. That's the fucking question I've been asking myself. 
Oh, the irony. <laughs> now, now at, you... least pick, at least watch one of them. It's all I'm asking. Just one. I'll, wa- I'll watch it. No, I'm going to show up like a professional, Steve, and watch your movies. I'll watch your movies. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll watch your movies. Anyway, just fucking with you, Steve. Guys, it's time for the Pop Culture Leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a little of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All righty. Yeah, fucking uh, Sylvester Stallone. This comes from Cinema Blend. Sylvester Stallone reacts to Creed Three story. Uh, the next entry in the Creed fr- film franchise after being delayed like everything else will take its biggest step away from the Rocky franchise from which it was created by being the first movie not to include Rocky. Sylvester Stallone will not appear in Creed 3, but Stallone knows what is going to be in that movie. And it sounds like the lack of Rocky might be only the beginning of this film's attempt to blaze its own trail. Speaking with Metro in the UK, Sylvester Stallone seems to imply that Creed 3 won't be just another entry in the franchise of boxing movies. Instead, the script for the new film is, quote, really interesting, Stallone says. He goes on to say, it takes it in a different direction. I wish them well and keep punching. Certainly, we don't expect Creed 3 to not be a movie about boxing. We know that Jonathan Majors has been cast as the movie's antagonist. One assumes that the conflict will be settled in a boxing ring. We certainly aren't looking forward to seeing the final fight go the Rocky Five route and take place in an alley. Uh, I would, I would agree with that. Uh, please, please no. But um, I mean, he's. Are we looking at Jake? I mean, we've been talking about this. I guess we're going to talk about it again. Are we looking at the death of uh, Rocky Balboa? I think we are. Otherwise. How are you going to have him direct the movie but not even make an appearance? That, that's the only explanation that makes sense to me. He's not directing. Oh, he's not? Okay. No, Michael B. Jordan's directing. That's been oh, wow. the news for the story since they announced it, I think, is that Michael B. Jor- Jordan's the one directing this one. Everyone gets a turn to direct one of these Creed movies. But, um, I mean, I... On-screen death, I, 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 I man, I'm, I think I'm gonna be annoyed with um, just seeing a Michael B. Jordan show up to a tombstone. Yes, that would be shit. Like we need yeah. to see it happen, like especially you know? in a franchise that like is so built, you know, on personal dramas and stuff like that. It seems really cheap to just cut to the tombstone. I mean, we we watched Apollo and Mickey die, and you know this is like the biggest character. If 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 you know, to 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 just, I mean, I know we 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 just saw the we saw the Polly gravestone, and I think the Adrian gravestone and stuff like that. But I, I don't want. I, I would like to see an. It's not like I'm dying to see an on-screen death of Rocky, but you know, if if he is in fact dead when we get to Creed three. You know, that would have been that would have been an emotional moment to watch. I just think it I think it cheapens it just to see it just to see him show up at a at a at a gravestone, especially when it's just when it's just his character, because it's not like someone from like the original movie is showing up 
to his death. He, I mean, he's only spent two movies with this guy. So I think it'd be more impactful to actually. Sadly, I think it'd be more impactful to be in the room and watch it happen. Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be the rocky way. Like, I, it makes no sense that they would just cut to the to the gravestone, or even worse, just tell us in like fucking text before the movie. What do you think about the? I, I don't know if they could if they could make this work, but like the John, I love Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors is going to be the antagonist in this one. I would love to find them. Uh, I would love to see them find a way to make him one of his older brothers. Like on the on on the actual other side of the Creed family, I could see that being possible. They're much older though. They're much older though. If if we're going, do you see what I'm saying, Jake? They're, I mean, unless they do some things with the timeline here, those kids are like way older. They really have to mess with the timeline here to make one of them young enough to be able to fight Adonis. Could they make it like the same type of story as Creed, where it's just another son that Adonis didn't really take care of? Oh my God! So how many ki- how many kids does he have out there? I mean, that would probably be the safest bet of like yeah, the timeline with the timeline, yes, about, though, right? You know, like I'm, that's the only thing I'm assuming. But it, it's interesting if they're not going to rock it at all, because like you think that it, they could even do like a parallel to the first movie where his mom is watching him fight his first big fight. You know, they could probably they could have done something with Rocky in the third movie, but yeah, it'd be it'd be like, do they have to kill him off? Could they just not have him be there or like? Are we talking about Rocky dying again? Yeah, like does he have to die? Does he have to have a tombstone, or can he just not be in the picture? Can he just he's doing his own thing? Oh, um, you know what I mean. Like I know what you mean. Yeah, maybe he's maybe he's in the hospital and fighting off some sort of like illness, and maybe we'll get like a text message from him. You know, that's yeah. better. I like that a lot better. Mm-hmm. Or if he's on vacation or he's just like fully retired, you know, it's just something that like, you know, we just don't have him on screen. Like, is it really going to yeah, be? Yeah, he's, he's moved on. To, he's he's running movies away. He's running the restaurant. Right. Exactly. You know, he's doing that and everything. You know, we're now three movies away from the Rocky franchise in general while, you know, so it could be one of those things where it's just happy ending for Rocky sort of thing. And Creed's now moving on. I mean, unless Stallone is just like, you know what, I've I've told my I've you know, my story has gone full circle. I am now, you know, I was the up and coming young boxer. Um, Well, I mean, he was actually he was much older when he when he came into the into the first movie. He was kind of like, yeah, he was getting close to being over the hill. But he's he, he maybe he's like my character's come full circle. I am now, you know, I've already fulfilled my role of being like the next Mickey, you know, fucking 50 years after the, you know, first movie came out, whatever. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, go ahead and write, write, write my character off. You know, we'll have my character be dead if he's happy with like how the character has, you know, gone over the course of of these years. But I don't, I, yeah, I like what you're saying, Steve. I, I mean, that was in the back of my head too, but it's just like, I just, I don't, if the character's still alive, that still means that he should show up at one. I think it, don't, Jake, do you think that it means that he's dead? 
because it just like it just leads me to believe like if he's still alive and we don't see him that they're missing out on that and if we don't get a creed 4 then we'll then there's no closure there with the character to me it really sounds like he's dead yeah otherwise i there's no logistical way that he wouldn't make some kind of appearance Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be going in a new direction. I, I think it would be cool to see him fight, like it, it, him fight one of his brothers, Creed versus Creed. But uh, yeah, they'd have to find a creative way in order to do that, in order for it to make sense, because the timeline, because the boys that Apollo Creed had with his wife would be much older than Jonathan Majors. <laughs> So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, news from Dark Horizons. Go over this real quick. Titanic, the score, a 4K 3D re-release uh, in honor of the 25th anniversary. Uh, James Cameron's Titanic is set to return to cinemas with a fresh 3D, 4K, HDR, and high frame rate remaster. Uh, it's going to roll, uh, be re-released uh, internationally uh, from February 10th next year. And they haven't set a U.S. date yet, but it's expected to follow um. Yeah, uh, Jake, I'll be watching it. D- did they ever release this in 3D before? I feel like they did. They did. Yeah. Did you yeah, see it the last time? I did. I I missed it. Yeah, I I still watch Titanic every year since it came out. It's one of my favorite movies. I I'm very excited. They're saying in time for Valentine's Day around February is what I read. Um. Yeah, I can't wait to see this in the theater again. Yeah, I'll watch it. Stevie, a big fan. You like Titanic? Yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. I just uh, I don't think I'll be rushing out to see this in theaters. Oh my god, Jake! I don't, I don't, I don't. I love this movie. It's so good. Yeah, I love it too. It's to me, it's like a, a classic James Cameron like white knuckle movie. I get like the same white knuckle feelings from this that I got from Aliens. Honestly, I mean, we know what happens on the Titanic, but we didn't know what happens to these characters. And yeah. I mean, I, th- I thought it was a, an amazing love story and the acting was phenomenal and just like the cinematography. And I mean, it great it, fucking score. Great score. Yeah. Paul, do you like Titanic? I do. Is that all you got for me? Thanks, Paul. All right. You're welcome. Are you OK, Paul? What's going on, buddy? I'm, I'm nervous about my uh, microphone here. Why? What's going on? Is your what's what's going on with your microphone? Well, I just had to change like it was on the wrong setting. So I just wanted to make sure I don't sound too, too low or too high. No, you, you just sounded very enthusiastic with your answer. And no, very- like I was literally <laughs> messing with the controls. I, I, I had the things. No, I, I, I do. I, I really enjoy Titanic. I saw it in the theaters when it first came out and I was, you know, I was in eighth grade and I wasn't into all the romance stuff, but. I just rewatched it for the first time maybe three, four years ago, and I'm like, wow, this is actually a really great story. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and it's kind of fun seeing, you know, like all the actors that we know today that had kind of bit roles in it, like Mr. Fantastic from uh, the 2005 Fantastic Four, how he's got small parts in this. So yeah, it's, I, I'm excited. Like, I will definitely go see this in 3D in the theaters. Now that's an answer. That is an answer, Paul. Got you. I got you. That is an answer. That it. 
Definitely. That was awesome, Paul. Let's get more of that, man. I want that, Paul. I want less of Paul it. worried about the mic and more of that, Paul. You got it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Just assume it's going to be fine, Paul, and believe me, we'll let you know if it's not. Oh, uh, trust me. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. I'll let you now, know. That was an enthusiastic answer right there. Oh, trust me. I will jump all over oh, that Oh, I got shit. this shit. Oh, fuck yeah. If your, if your mic sounds any – just the tiniest bit fucked up, I'm going to let you know about it. Okay. Anyway. Jake, this episode is just flowing, man. I agree. This I is agree. this is a good this is a good one. I agree. We're like we're like peak run DMC this episode. Yeah, man. This is this is this is PCL at the top of its game. Like there's no bumps in the road on this bad boy, man. This is seriously, it's like the tarmac is just a hundred percent clear. You are you clear for landing, man. This is just whoo. We're just smooth fucking sailing on this episode, aren't we? <laughs> it's like it's like I ask anybody something like it's like they're scared. Like it's like Jake, do you think that I give our our our, our guests PTSD? Uh, I think it has happened. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> that hasn't happened zero times. <laughs> shit. Shit. News from Dark Horizons. Net ch- uh, Netflix chief uh, confirms ads are coming. Uh, oh, boy. I can't wait. Appearing at the Can Lions uh, Advertising Festival on Thursday, Netflix CEO Ted Sarandos confirmed the streaming giant will include tiers with ads in the near future. The streaming giant has long avoided the inclusion of advertising on its subscription service, but teased a less expensive ad-supported tier the other month in a bid to bring in new customers. Sarandos has now explained the reasoning behind the decision. We've left a big customer segment off the table, which is people who say, hey, Netflix is too expensive for me and I don't mind advertising. We adding an ad tier, we're not adding ads to Netflix as you know it today. We're adding an ad tier for folks who say, hey, I want a lower price and I'll watch ads. So, um, yeah, it's not clear if a new advertising tier will solve the streamer's growth problems, but Sarandos insists Netflix can return to growth on its own. We have plenty of scale and profitability and free cash flow to continue to grow this business. So, yeah, Jake, I mean, uh, can we assume that we're, can we assume that the plans that we're on now, we can stick with them and, and not, and and I guess I guess by choice move to one of the ad tiers if we wanted a, a lower price. Yeah, I mean it's hard to not believe that they're not going to jack the price of the non-ad tier with this news. Um, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but if it's fifty percent or more cheaper than what I pay now, I'll subscribe to the ads. Yeah, I'm there. Fuck yeah, it. I'll, I'll look at fucking Twitter for three minutes to pay fucking half what I'm paying now. Well, yeah, what I, what am I paying? Am I paying? I think I'm paying like I feel like I'm paying sixteen ninety nine or something. I don't. Yeah, we have know. it on three screens and four K, so I think I'm paying eighteen bucks. I ain't paying for the four K. Nobody else makes you pay for the four K. Oh, it's a jerk move. I, I agree, but yeah, if it was like they were like. Seven ninety nine for ads? Fuck yeah, I'll subscribe right now. Hmm. Yeah. 
Nobody, I have a feeling it's Netflix, and it's not going to be that deep of a discount. Like if it's a dollar, two dollars off, I'll stick with what I got. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if it'd be nice if like when we. I always thought it would be nice if you started a subscription that you could get grandfathered into it. And that yeah, some places are like that. Uh, I subscribed to Funimation, and I did it from the day it launched, and so it's five ninety nine, even though it's gone all the, all the way up to ten bucks now. Yeah, I did like the. I don't know how they're going to do it when my three year Disney plan runs out. I I signed up for that three year plan that you had to get through like the exclusive Disney members or whatever it was, and and it mm-hmm. comes out to be like four dollars and fifty cents a month for three years when I paid the one lump sum. And once the three years is up this October, I don't know if they're going to offer me that again, or if then it's just going to start billing me like a regular Disney plus member. Yeah. I don't know. I, my guess is it'd be a regular member because me I can't go to the website now and do anything, but subscribe for the month, I believe. No, no, no. I was talk- I was saying basically like for the members that signed up through that, we would get an email Saying, oh, I got you. I got you. Saying you're, they'll, they'll prompt you to do – since you all did it at the same time yeah. and never offered it again, they can right. just send a mass email saying you want a, you want another three years and one other hit. Yeah. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that I'll probably be paying what everybody else is paying for the service. But um, is this a is this going to solve Netflix's woes? Is this going to keep them from – hiking prices on us in the future or is this just the start of what we think might be a reprieve and then they're going to continue to hike the prices on us yeah i think it's b i think they're going to get more people doing what i'm talking about already subscribers deciding to pay less than they are people that aren't subscribed to netflix at all that decide to subscribe for the first time based on there being an ad plan. I, I just don't see that happening. Thoughts from Paul or Steve. Um, is there any date? Like, do we know when this is going to happen? No, there's no firm date, man, because, because you have to imagine that they are bracing for a big drop off. After next week, you know, everyone's going to watch Stranger Things and, and kind of drop their subscriptions, especially since, what, we have to wait two years for season five. Um, I think I, I think Jake's absolutely right. I think, man, dude, I would. Yeah, it, it if it's a, like if it's a big, significant drop in price, I will gladly go to ads uh, because this, you know, Cutting the cord was a great idea six years ago when there was only Netflix and a couple other streaming services. But now all this shit is adding up, especially when you got, you know, people like Paramount that are actually putting good stuff on. It's like, oh, now I have to do this because I like these shows. So but I think I think Netflix is going to see a lot of people do that if it's a big thing. And then they'll be like, oh, well, now we're going to raise these prices. Fuck you guys. I think they're wanting this to – they want their subscriber base to grow. That's why they're doing this is they're wanting their subscriber base to grow. Now – I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. 
Well, here's the thing. I don't know if it's going to, I don't, how, how significant are the savings going to be? I don't think you're cutting the subscription price in half. I'm, st- I'm thinking four to five dollars off at the most. I, I feel the same way. Because if it would, you've got to anticipate, they've got to anticipate that, yes, like let's say somebody's paying like 18 bucks a month for Netflix, we drop it. And we cut it in half. And Jake, who knows if they're going to have a 4K ad tier. I mean, 4K just might be like the premier tier. They might not add it in a in an ad tier. That's true. It could be no ads or nothing for the 4K. But like if – I mean, you're cutting profits in half if, if – almost in half if a lot of people – fucking take advantage of of it and they're they're slashing the price by 50 percent they really gotta hope that they're gonna grab more subscribers so i think in order to kind of temper that they're they're not gonna drop it as significantly as you would hope and if they want to really get more subscribers they need to be more drastic in my opinion they need to do like fucking hulu and black friday 99 cent that shit and then for an entire year, put out such good content that when that 99 cents are over, you still want to keep getting Netflix because the content has delivered week in and week out or month in and month out. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think they're going to do that. I think Apple did it really well when, you know, a lot of people have iPhones. When you got that, they don't do this now. But like when you got a new iPhone, they'd give you a free year of Apple Plus. I took advantage of that when I got my new iPhone. Oh, me as well. A whole yeah. year. That was nice. It was very nice. They stopped I doing just that. Got, I, I just got six months when I upgraded my iPhone. Oh, so it's six months now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did mine a little over a year, about a year and a half ago, and I got a year. Yeah, same. I guess in similar news, they also announced, it was either this week or last week, that um, the Peacock-Comcast deal is also going to be coming to an end. Hmm. So a lot of people get Peacock for free, the ad plan, because it's connected to their Comcast account. That's going to be coming to an end sometime in uh, 2023. Yeah, I tried to sign up for that because I do have their internet, but it didn't let me do it. Hmm. Uh, Anyway, Steve, you got no thoughts on that? Are you still butthurt about me yelling at you (laughs) No, no, not at all. I kind of talked about this earlier uh, in the week, but... I mean, honestly, you guys kind of echo everything I've already talked about. The only thing I'd add after hearing what you guys have talked about is uh, it sounds like Netflix should have done this like two years ago because with what you guys are saying, yeah, I feel like a lot more people are just – they might – they'll get more switching than actual new subscribers I feel just with the way they've been doing it for so long. And this might have been a better uh, plan, business model plan if they had done this maybe two years ago because now – yeah, I mean, there's just not that much. Stuff. Like, I only go on Netflix now for the new movies and every once in a while a series. But unless there's like a season two I know is coming, I don't really watch any new series anymore on Netflix because they love canceling everything. So I'll most likely be one of those people that switches to ads. I hate ads and I'm never on Netflix. And if they're just going to put an ad in front of a movie and that's it, then it might be worth just cutting the price in half for me then because. There's nothing really worth going in on there all the time. I'm on Peacock, I'm on Paramount Plus, and on and HBO Max are my core three places I go to now for 
uh, like content or even like um, like background TV show stuff. You know, it's rarely Netflix or Hulu anymore. Oh, I so I get on. I still get on Hulu to watch like old TV shows and, you know, I'll watch like episodes of Holy Moly on there and I'll, I'll, I'll do it to watch certain TV shows. Honestly, I'm only opening up uh, Hulu at this point for the Orville. Yeah, it's on there. Um, I watch Hulu for the FX shows like The Old Man now, uh, the Jeff Bridges show. Um, they've got like married with children and a bunch of like some of the older sitcoms on there as well. Um, I have the ad supported Hulu and I don't yeah. mind it sometimes during a third, like what trying to watch the bear, I'll get like four or five sets of commercials while watching an episode and they're like a minute and a half long breaks. It's like, fuck. Okay. Whatever. All right. But, you know, I deal with it. I went, fuck, I've been watching it at, at night. I've been watching the, the Family Ties Pluto channel. So. <laughs> yeah, and Pluto's all ads. Yeah, because I was watching Spin City on that on that app. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, news from Dark Horizons. Uh, Lee Winnell in talks to direct Green Hornet. This caught me by surprise this week. Lee Winnell, who's the director of The Invisible Man and Upgrade, is in negotiations to direct The Green Hornet and Cato for Universal Pictures. And uh, it's reportedly received a script from David Kep earlier this year, and they're very happy about it. And uh, they want to work with uh, Winnell again. Um, should a deal close, the film will be then fast-tracked to the pre-production stages. Um First created by George W. Trendle and Franz Stryker in 1936, The Green Hornet was one of the early radio, early radio's most popular adventure shows before being turned into the 1940s movie serials and a 1966 TV series that starred Bruce Lee as Cato. Um, story centers around Britt Reed, owner, publisher of the Daily Sentinel, armed with knowledge from his sources, weapons, a car known as the Black Beauty, and his trusty aide, Cato. Reed became vigilante crime fighter, the Green Hornet, who is wanted by the police and feared by crooks everywhere. And they made that uh, Seth Rogen movie in 2011. Um, I would not have cared for this news at all. But since Lee Winnell is in the director's chair, I love this guy. And I'm definitely down to watch... Anything that he does, and if he's got uh, a cool vision for the Green Hornet, I, I'll watch it. Um, I, I was, I'm a little bit nervous with David Kep. I feel like, I mean, he's one of the greatest screenwriters of our time. Like he wrote like Jurassic Park and and Spider Man One, but in the last like long while, he's written a string of terrible movies. I mean, this is the guy that wrote Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Mm. He wrote the shitty Angels and Demons movie. Um, he really hasn't done anything of any value in 15 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. You got to worry about that. I don't know. I've read some, I don't know. I've watched the old show. Um, and, uh, I've read some newer comics. Who came out with some of the newer comics? I think Fran, Francesco Francavia was, uh, was doing the art for him, but, um, they're fun. 
They're fine. I think I read Green Hornet meets was it Green Hornet meets Rocketeer or something? I read that. Was, yeah, yeah. They that that that's a neat crossover. Yeah. I don't know. I think the coolest part of this news, honestly, is Cato finally getting included in the title of the movie. Other than that, I I don't know. I'll have to see a trailer. Mm. Sounds like you haven't seen. Have you seen Upgrade or The Invisible Man? Have you watched? I, lo- I loved Invisible Man. I yeah. I I can't even say his last name. Wenell. Wenell. Yeah, yeah. I have not seen Upgrade yet, but I loved Invisible Man. Oh my god, you are missing out on like one of the fucking best movies. Up, Paul, did you see Upgrade? I did. I I, I saw it not too long ago. Um. I and and I absolutely loved it. I'm very excited about this news. Um, my dad and I, my my dad absolutely loved this show when when he was younger, and we tracked down all the VHSs, and we kind of finished the entire series not too long before he passed away. So I got some fun memories with him on that. But I think it's very cool to see the guy from um, Upgrade and Invisible Man kind of take this you know kind of clean character and maybe take him in some crazy directions like this is really cool you think about I'm, the you think about the action and oh man upgrade and it like and then you you know depending on like who they cast as Cato and who they cast as the green hornet here i mean this could be a lot of fun oh 100% Hundred percent, and they can make him a little more. You know, Green Hornet can rely on a lot more like technology stuff too. Like to see those mesh together with martial arts. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and get the Black Beauty in there. Fuck yeah! Mm-hmm. Oh man, who are they going to get as Kato? Like they're going to go Tony Ja. Like who are they going to get? They're going to get. Uh, oh God, what's the other fucking dude? Like some of the guys from the raid would be fucking perfect. You know, I mean, like, and I'm, I'm not, I may sound crazy right now. You know who I think would be fun? I'm not going to try to say his name because he played like, I know he's not like a martial artist, but he had some good moves and I forget that it was that movie I watched with you, but he was the lead actor in Squid Game. Oh yeah. Okay. What was that movie? Like only God forgives or something. Uh, he played like a complete psycho guy trying to kill a yeah. man. He had all the tattoos. Yeah. I bought that movie. I, yeah. That was a great movie. A fucking awesome movie, man. Dude, but I think he I think he could actually pull off Kato. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I would not be opposed to that at all. I'm trying to look up that movie, man. That movie was so great, man. Yeah. <laughs> that movie was awesome. I'll look it up. Steve, you got any thoughts on this? No, not really. I never saw any of the movies, and I don't really know the um, the Green Hornet uh, lore either. So, I mean, uh, I did enjoy Upgrade, uh, so I'll definitely uh, be looking forward to this movie if this does come to fruition. But, um, I mean, it sounds interesting. I'm not, but, yeah, I've never really seen any of the other uh, iterations of it. Jake, you should really watch Upgrade. It's on that. It's on that fucking Voodoo account. It's 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 incredible. Jake. All right, yeah, I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah, just good, good, good action. Good yeah, action, good story. Yeah, great action. Great, 
great dialogue like this episode. All right, guys. Um, <laughs> fuck. Let's skip the next story. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it's. It, I'm get. I'm getting there with this one. Uh, Mar- <laughs> Marvel news. There we go. Let's see here. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm fire. We're burning through the rest of this shit. Jesus Christ! I feel like. You <laughs> news from comicbook.com. Spider-Man fans in heated debate over Craven the Hunter being described as animal lover in new Sony film. So this is this is basically what's going on. Um, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson uh, was. Uh, talking about his character of Craven uh, during an interview with Variety. And he was quoted as saying, one of, the, one of Marvel's most iconic, notorious anti-heroes, Spider-Man's number one rival. And what <clears throat> drew... Hello? What the fuck is no, going sorry. on? Well, that was my, like, false. Sorry. Okay, so you, you contributed nothing to Green Hornet, and then you clear your throat on this one. What's going on? That was my, like, eh, false. Like, it's not the ultimate rival to Spider-Man. Sorry. My, my bad. Okay. What drew Ooh, the... that went over my head. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, let's skip this story as well. How's it... <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's going... This episode is terrible. Yeah, it got really weird there. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I tell you what. I'm actually going to take a break. I really need one. I'm going to take a break. All right, we're back. I uh, I just played the energy bumper 50 times in a row until I could get some fucking energy out of this crew. Yeah, I'm fucking shaking with energy now. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm fucking ready to go. One final injection. Hold on. Oh, God, I came. Fuck yeah, you gotta please the listeners with that one. You can't tell them that we gotta hear it 50 times and they get it none. Yeah. yeah. Oh, That's like a big old cock tease there. Oh my god, that was fucking enjoyable. Mm. Woo! Uh, okay, Ric Flair. Oh. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Not, he's not being seen in the best of light these days, Steve. Yeah, that's right. Neither are you. <laughs> neither are you after no, this episode, my buddy. sound just like threw you off completely. We had to take a pause. I was like, oh, my God, I broke Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I didn't know if you two had been bitten by zombies and you were turning. I didn't know what was going on. I thought my mic was on mute, and when you said Aaron Taylor Johnson was talking about Craven being the ultimate enemy or uh, villain against or rival against Spider-Man, I was like, no. I was so ready to talk about the article. Uh, it's just, I it, thought you had unmuted and did something else by accident. Uh, that would be a better story, I guess. As much as I'd love to continue this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because it, it is, I mean, this is probably the highlight of the episode. Uh, I guess we, it's one of them. It is, yeah. Uh, I guess we do have to talk about this Craven story. Um, but uh, yeah, he, uh, he said, uh, what drew the actor to the role is the fact that Craven is, quote, not an alien or a wizard. He's just a hunter, a human with conviction, an animal lover, and a protector of the natural world. He's a very, very cool character. 
Um, he also explained that unlike many other modern Marvel films, Craven the Hunter is shot entirely on location. So, um, what, uh, the internet is going nuts over, uh, and not in a good way is the quote that he is a, an animal lover and, uh, and a protector of the natural world. Um, I mean, in the comics, the character has a level of respect for animals, but this makes it seem like we're going to be introduced to a craven here that he's saying he's a hunter. Are we reading this wrong? Are we, are we reading the quote wrong, Jake? I mean, I've read it over multiple times trying to see if maybe the internet is overreacting. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just so bizarre. Like the, best excuse i can come up with is this is the actor talking and not the writer or the director and maybe he's just talking out of the side of his mouth and doesn't understand his character completely but he says it's what attracted him to the role is that he's an animal lover and like what is he going to catch and release lions like what the fuck is going on here it makes me think that like this is uh in a, a, a like an origin story about a man who becomes the hunter who at first starts out as an animal lover and then grows to hate them. <laughs> but that can't be it because that is stupid as shit. That is stupid as shit. And part of me thinks maybe it's they don't want to go to that level, right? They still yeah. want to like have kids and people see this movie and having someone killing animals is – usually bad for business yeah i mean it's not a good look you know to have your main character who who we believe in this movie has to be portrayed as an anti-hero have him as a have him have him portrayed as a trophy hunter that's a tough that's tough to pull off this is this is going to be a clusterfuck of a film jake Oh, 100%. I almost can't wait to see it now. Like, it sounds so fucking stupid. Yeah, it's it, these are the sacrifices that had to be made to the character so he could be in a solo movie that's not Spider-Man connected right away. Then these sacrifices are not worth making at all. Yeah, I, I think the title of the movie should be That's So Craven. That's So Craven. It might as well be at this point. Paul. What, though? Um, um. Paul, your no, your no. mic boy, your mic buddy is it's in and out, dude. A fucking a. We good now? Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, you know what else I thought was a very tough sell uh, last year was a movie marketed to kids about uh, someone that skinned dogs, a character that skinned dogs. And I thought they handled Cruella very well, where they kind of turned her into a dog lover. But it still fit with her character. So yeah, I, that's Disney, though. They have a little bit of a better track record with that kind of thing than uh, Morbius Sony. Okay, yes, that's that's very true. But I could see them kind of trying to go that route in a way of kind of using the animals in his devious skills. But yeah, but then don't call him Craven the Hunter. I don't know. Maybe he's just fucking talking out of his ass, like you said. What do you think, Steve? Is he hunting hunters? I just don't get it. Like, yeah, if he's going to be... Is if is he like the Ace Ventura of the Spider-Universe now all of a sudden? I just don't... 
I'm not saying like comedic wise, but just like is he like this new animal lover and everything? And he's just going after other hunters or something. It's just like or poachers and stuff. It just doesn't make much sense. And if you, I mean, Craven's best story is Craven Last Hunt. You know, everything else you probably know Craven from the from the cartoon. Then so it's just I'm not really sure how else you can really use him for an an origin story just so we can put him into a Sinister Six story later on. It just – and I'm a big fan of Aaron Taylor Johnson. He's a, a fantastic actor. He's very versatile. He keeps showing up in stuff you'd never expect him to be in. And I just don't really understand what the hell this is supposed to be anymore. So, yeah, I'm more looking forward to this Madam Web stuff now over – Whatever they're doing with Craven, I could give I could give a rat's ass oh boy. about I couldn't I couldn't care less about either one of them. Yeah, but I think I'd ra- I'm just more interested in what they're doing with this Madam Web over whatever the hell they want to do with Craven if that's what they're going to be going with here. So yeah, I, it's, oh man, it's, I guess I agree with Steve. I mean, between those two turds, I, I guess the Madam Web one is more shinier now after this news. <laughs> it's like trying to pick like. What do you want? You want a you want a diarrhea shake or a vomit shake? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know. It, it it doesn't. It none of this none of this news makes sense to me. I can't believe that that you've got a studio that's still making decisions like this, and 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 and, and knowing that this is somehow going to connect with the post credit scenes that we saw in Morbius. None of it has me excited at all, and I. I just God, I just wish that Sony would sell Spider-Man back to Marvel, Marvel Studios, because they do not deserve this character. Um, that, which is a shame because that means that you know, you know, we wouldn't be getting the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse movies the way that we see them now. But I mean, something's got to give. Like the, the studio, can't, the studio can't keep pumping money into these fucking. Movies that aren't that aren't Morbius did nothing twice already. Yeah, yeah twice. And um, I mean, this is this is not gonna, people are not going to be going to see Craven in droves. Come on, how fucking how how stupid can a studio be? Come on, <laughs> Sony stupid. This is. I think Steve might have figured it out. Honestly, I, I could see the plot being that the thing he's hunting are people. Like a, a little bit of a surviving the game scenario where, like, he's such an animal lover that he's going to put the hunters in a situation where they have to feel what it's like. And that makes him an anti-hero, you know? Like, he's doing bad things, but he's doing him to, you know, quote, bad people. So, But what makes I'm that – yeah, what makes that a good Craven the Hunter movie? Nothing, nothing. I, I'm just saying. I think Steve, like when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah. I bet he's right. Like, oh yeah. If Aaron Taylor Johnson is telling the truth that his character is an animal lover, then I think Steve nailed it on what the hunter aspect is going to be. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing is like he's going to be a Doctor Doolittle person, right? Like, well, how, what else can it be? Oh, he, maybe well, like the scenario Brian said, like makes sense too. Like all scenarios are dumb. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's maybe he's into bestiality. Maybe that's what he meant by animal lover. Maybe <laughs> we're gonna see him kids in. Yeah, right. <laughs> see him fucking a spider monkey or some shit. This is fucking stupid. Next Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, you're next Spider Man. 
<laughs> the ultimate prize. And he, he he licks the screen just like Venom did. <laughs> anyway. And then goes, it's Morbin time. Oh, man. Anyway, news from Dark Horizons. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige has confirmed that his company is returning to Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con next month. After a several-year absence, Feige revealed the news during the press conference for Thor Love and Thunder earlier, and it's expected some big announcements will be made. So, yeah, that's I found that surprising because they have not been a part of Hall H for many years, but they're they're making a return. I agree. I had the same reaction to this. Um, and also with kind of the news that some of the outlets have been reporting that they're going to like reveal their hand on what the next big bat is. That's my next story. Kind of, yeah. I think that story lines up with this story to return to Hall H means something very, very big. And what could be bigger than kind of announcing the next like big crossover for a big phase ender i don't know if they want to give it away now <laughs> let me read this actually um this is from dark horizons feige teases mcu's next saga marvel's infinity saga consisted of three phases each ending with an avengers feature and each with its own goals and aims with the current phase four though where the mcu headed isn't so clear We've had teases of the multiverse with Loki and recent Spider-Man and Doctor Strange films, teases of Julia Louise Dreyfus, Contessa recruiting people. There are various new characters who could form a new Avengers team. However, none of it really seems to be coming together towards something bigger. It's all teases for now. Speaking with Total Film ahead of the release of Thor Love and Thunder, Marvel Studios chief Kevin Feige promises he has a plan and answers will be forthcoming soon. As we're nearing the end of Phase 4, I think people will start to see where this next saga is going. I think there have been many clues already there that are at least apparent to me of where this whole saga is going, but we'll be a little bit more direct about that in the, up, in the coming months to set a plan so audiences who want to see the bigger picture can see a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more of the roadmap. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder opens in cinemas on July 8th, followed by Black Panther Wakanda Forever in November along with She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, and two holiday specials later this year. It's likely that next year's films and shows, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, The Marvels, Secret Invasion, Ironheart, and quite likely Blade, that things will become decidedly clear. So I don't know if he's going to be giving us, like, that announcement now. He's saying, like, we're going to find out, like, you know... Be patient. You'll find out towards the end of Phase 4 where this is all going. So, I don't know. I, I what was I read, somebody th- threw up, like, that meme, you know, change my mind, that change my mind meme. And I kind of, mm-hmm. kind of chuckled at it. It was, uh, it was like, uh, it was like, after Endgame, Phase 4, everything in Phase 4 feels like a side quest that you're that, that yeah it feels like a side quest are you after you've already beaten the big bad and it's like i kind of agree with that in a, in a, in a little way because like we don't have that like direction yet like is it kang is kang the big bad or, like what what the fuck is like is it is the multiverse the next big part of this what it, what is it where are we going with all this and so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm fine with that for a little while, though. Like, I, I want it to just kind of marinate for a little bit after in-game. Like, I want to see new characters introduced and mm-hmm. just some subplots and side quest stuff. Like, I, 
I don't want to just go full speed into the next thing, right? Jake, it, sure. It's This is my least favorite phase. Yeah. So I guess that kind of gives you my answer. I mean, it's my least favorite phase, and, and a lot of it has to do with some of the Disney Plus shows being involved in the phase as well. I mean, the movies haven't been the best for me. It's it's they're they're not on the same, in my opinion, they're not on the same level as like the first three phases. And sure, you could throw out a Thor, you know, Dark World at me, and an Iron Man two at me, and you can throw that nonsense in there, but. I mean, overall, I think the first three phases are far superior to, like, collectively. I know it's three phases compared to one, but I think there's there's been some misses in this for me, man. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I, I think, personally, the, the second phase is probably my least favorite. I mean, every phase has its ups and downs, but to me, that was probably the worst of them all. I totally could not disagree with you anymore. I mean, this. I, I mean, we got Guardians that phase, but like you know, Guardians is the most separated thing at the time from like the actual end game of it all. Yeah, I just so. uh, this phase has not impressed me. I love Shang Chi. Um, trying to think what else I've really um, loved in in this phase. I mean, I mean, Eternals did not hit for me. Fucking Black Widow was okay. Dude, I was at a grocery store the other day, and they had five fucking setups of Eternals Pez dispensers that they were selling on discount for 99 cents each. I was laughing so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, look at all this Eternals merch that they can't get rid of. They're, like, shipping it to grocery stores. Oh, man. But, yeah, I I can see why. I think a lot of people are in the same camp as you, that they feel like Phase 4 is just meandering. Um I think that's why they kind of leaked these announcements. And I really do think that they want to get people's blood flowing again. And we're going to get these announcements in Hall H. I, I really do think that. It'd be it'd be interesting if this announcement is like the end of phase four for Kevin Feige, where they're going to announce whatever Avengers five is, whatever, if that's Young Avengers or not. And if it's or if it's a Thunderbolts movie, because the end of phase one, you go with Avengers. What if they did the end of phase four? You're going to get Thunderbolts unless that's Disney Plus, because who knows how they're doing with all that. But they said that that's going to be a it's movie. It's going to be a movie. It will be a movie. OK. Yeah. OK. Um, so but I don't the when they announced phase three, it was their own media event. So I don't think it would be a full phase five slate, but it would be interesting if they're like the thunderbolts and whatever avengers 5 is if they do that type of announcement for comic-con i think that would make more sense but just like focusing on the comic-con part i don't think it would be a full slate of uh or uh, phase five movies yeah i'm looking at phase four so far it's like black widow was okay i love shang chi eternals was not good i love spider-man no way home and i really i liked dr strange and multiverse of madness so I don't know. It's all subjective. It's like what you like and what you don't like. I'm hoping Thor Love and Thunder is going to be awesome. Tyka's been saying in interviews today that Love and Thunder is in no way connected to the multiverse. So good or bad, it sounds like it's going to be a very like standalone in its own pocket of the MCU type of movie. Like I don't think we're getting answers about the next phase from Thor. It's like an actual post-Endgame movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a bit more of a sequel to Ragnarok, and, and it's doing its own thing. It's not really setting up anything to follow, from what I've heard. 
Well, and then it's uh, definitely got its ties to Endgame with the Guardians showing up in the first, you know, part of that movie. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, news from Yahoo Entertainment. Um, <laughs> the article title is great on this. Christian Bale on entering the MCU with Thor Love and Thunder. I've done what? I haven't entered shit. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed at this too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like when asked if he had any reservations about playing another comic book character following his stint as Batman, Bale dismissed the notion. Absolutely not. No, that didn't even enter my head in my head at all. I'd read that and people would go, Oh, look at this. He's entered the MCU. And I'd go, I've done what? I've ed- I haven't entered shit. Thank you very much. I'm like the MCU. I had to ask what that was. <laughs> <laughs> MCU dookie dookie doo. <laughs> Bale also said he made the mistake of googling the comic character. You sort of go, I know what he does. It's right there in the name, isn't it? He said, but I did make the mistake of googling him. And oh no, in the comics, he runs around in a G string all the time. And I, <laughs> and, I <laughs> and I thought they don't have the right man for that. Uh, fortunately, Waititi nixed the G string. Uh, but I always did think what he could do with this in front of a blue screen. He could chuck on whatever he wants later on. So what a weird, weird quotes from Bale. Just fucking what a weird man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure this is the first time he's experienced like all these people telling him what he can and can't say. And it sounds like his defense is to just make a bunch of jokes. You know? Yeah. Or he's just like so separated from the MCU. It's like he's do we like do we know if Christian Bale's like watching any of this shit? You know, I, I have a hard time imagining that he is. I can't. I can't imagine. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I don't think he's watching any of <laughs> any of this. Um, I, it's so much nicer to hear him say off the wall shit like this than yelling at cameramen or anything like that. But uh, I think it also is a testament to kind of. Um, you know, the camaraderie and lightheartedness that that's on the set, you know, with Taika Waititi and Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman. This just kind of makes me a little more excited, like like he's being so goofy in these interviews. Like, I, I just think this movie's going to be a blast and everyone had a fun time making it. And I just kind of love the like, I kind of hope Christian Bale hasn't seen a single Marvel movie like and he's and I'm. Can kind of like I'm sure he's going to give us an amazing performance, and this kind of makes that even more like awesome. Like if he kind of went into this completely blind, and we're going to get you know one of his great performances in a Marvel movie. I'll let you guys know next week. I'm seeing it Wednesday. That's so fucking exciting. That's exciting. I'm seeing it Wednesday, I, so I'm going to have. It was hilarious that. Oh, sorry, Brian. I'm just saying I'm going to have a bonus episode. And I'll let everybody know what I thought about it, and I'll let you know what I thought about uh, Bale's score. You know what? You know what I do think Christian Bale watches. I think he watches that. I think he watches that scene in American Psycho of himself having sex with that woman and pointing in the mirror. And I think he fucking actually does that same thing in the bedroom and points at himself on TV as he's pointing at himself on the mirror. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. That yeah, that's what I think Bale watches. Go ahead, Jake. You were saying something interesting, I'm sure. Oh, um, <laughs> I thought it was a cool story that 
they also were going to use a Kate Bush song at one point, uh, Taika and Christian Bale for a scene with the God Butcher. But then at the last minute, they decided not to do that scene. I was like, geez, Kate Bush is getting a lot of play these days. Yeah, he said Taika and I wanted to do a whole dance, which we didn't get to do. But we had all this sort of Kate Bush stuff that we worked at. But I think he just realized he was never going to be allowed to put that in the final film. Huh. It's a fucking Kate Bush renaissance going on, apparently. No shit, man. She's got to be loving this. Oh, yeah. Her bank account's got to be loving it. Fuck, yeah. Uh, Hemsworth, uh, this is from Dark Horizons. Hemsworth ready for more Thor films. He was talking to the Total Film, and uh, he indicates as long as the role remains interesting, he's happy to keep going for now. I love this, and he said this before. I love it. He says, I love playing the character. I really do. It all comes down to, is this script different to the, uh, than the last one? Are we repeating something? And when it becomes too familiar, I think that's when I'd have to say, yeah, no, this doesn't. I'd, I think I've, I'd like to exit before people tell me to exit. So um, I think it's great. I think it's great. I, I love still having him in the universe. I love having a Thor in the universe. I'm glad that he's kind of like, a mainstay and he's sticking around for a while. He's like one of these guys that's not tired out by, by this. And I, I think he's, I'm hoping he's going to be sticking around long enough in the MCU to where we can see like, you know, fucking old Thor. Yes. Like an old grizzled Thor, right? Yes. I, that's, that's been my goal now, especially, Especially, you know, so like how crazy it was or like unprecedented of of this being, you know, Thor Love and Thunder is the first, you know, solo movie to get a fourth entry. And that got me so excited, like especially with the Jason Aaron run where, where old Thor is such a vital character to that. I'm like, yeah, dude, that would be amazing to see him stick around enough to like do that role mm-hmm. in the MCU. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess there have. It'd be a hard pill, pill to swallow for all three of the the big Marvel guys to not be in the movies anymore. Like, thank God, Chris Hemsworth is into it, and Thor's still part of these movies. I know. Yeah. When's his fucking Hulk Hogan movie come out? I don't know. I'm excited to see that. Though. Oh, I forgot about that. But sure, yeah. could. Yeah, there was a funny article with uh, Hemsworth today where he was talking about how showing his uh, naked ass in the new Thor movie is a dream come true. And he's been wanting to do that for the last 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Does he elaborate? Why does he want to show his ass? He doesn't really say just that that's something he's always wanted to do. It was 10 years in the making that scene. Kind of a dream of mine, he says. I wonder if they're going to use the line. That's Asgard's ass. The first time I played Thor, I took my shirt off and I thought, you know what's going to sweeten this? A decade from now, it's all going to come off. (laughs) That's still the best scene from the preview, too. It's like you flick too damn hard. (laughs) Damn it, you flick too hard. Here's something. Paul, you've been watching The the Last Dance. Yeah. I'm going to be rewatching that here shortly, but. They, I, they, I don't think they ever touched upon this in the Last Dance documentary, but Dennis Rodman said his last game that he was going to play in the NBA, he was going to start as he's walking off the floor, he was going to take off one layer of clothing at a time until he is completely naked and walk off the floor naked. 
that would have been epic. I just watched this crate, like, like, you know, like how Facebook puts those reels on or whatever. You can watch like a little short video. Yeah. I was watching this video of um, when they were playing the Miami Heat and Jordan was shooting free throws and Rodman was like full blown, like flirting very suggestively with Alonzo Mourning. Oh, dude, he did that all the time with Alonzo Mourning. All the time. He's like, you fucking sicko. There's nobody that got in, in Zoe's head more than fucking Rodman. Rodman dying on that. Dude, I, 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 it'd be interesting to see how many fucking technical fouls Alonzo Mourning got because of fucking Rodman. Because he would always get in Zoe's head all the time, man. Oh my God. Those were, those are some great matchups between him and Alonzo Mourning. Oh my God. I loved watching those two go head to head. Dude, he was like, like, Rodman was like rubbing his own nipples, like walking up next to him at the. Yeah, dude. He would do, he would do shit the fuck with him so bad. Like he'd be guarding him really, really close. I think he patted his ass and shit. I mean, it was, it was some fucked up shit going on in those games between him and Zoe. Man, he, he just like stood up and just had the look and he's like, you can see him mouth like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. There are some Thor Love and Thunder reactions have you guys read these on the internet yeah mm-hmm. so people that have seen thor love and thunder uh brandon davis said uh thor love and thunder is absolutely electrifying my favorite thor movie of the four taika watiti through and through it's mature the soundtrack rocks and there's great surprises so much fun feels like the best part of mcu phase one and four in one entry loved it mm. Yeah, it's uh, fucking exciting. Also goes yeah. on to say Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, a.k.a. Mighty Thor, is just such a home run. Her whole story here is powerful and fulfilling. Christian Bale is creepy good as gore. He could have benefited from a little more screen time, but lands really well. Great villain. Uh, let's see here. Kristen Acuna from Insider says Christian Bale is phenomenally menacing. As Thor 11 Thunders villain Gore, the God Butcher, one of the creepiest Marvel villains we've ever seen on screen, gave me some Dark Knight Ledger Joker vibes at one point. Uh, wow, Thor 11. Mm. Um, let's see here. Caitlin Booth from Bleeding Cool says, uh, so Thor 11 Thunder, I have thoughts and feelings, a lot of which are spoilers. Some of them I'm not happy about. What I can talk about is something that the thing that made Thor Ragnarok such a breath of fresh air was how different it was from the other movies. Sounds like a little bit of a negative review there. Griffin Schiller from Film Speaks says Thor 11 Thunder just cemented itself as one of my favorite MCU films. Bursting with so much heart, emotion, and sincerity, I teared up. I smiled from ear to ear. This film is a warm hug and a plea to cherish the present Live in the moment. Do something that matters. I adore this film. But Holy the, shit. But the, beating, but the beating heart of this film is Thor and Jane Foster. I mean, my God, the romance was so real, so relatable. I felt every moment of it. The passion might be my second favorite MCU romance because of how genuine it was. And the actors deliver their best performances as these heroes. Wow. Uh, well, I wonder what the greatest romance is. Captain Carter and Steve Rogers. Oh, okay. That's uh, real hard to top. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Jermaine Lucier from Gizmodo says, uh, Thor Love and Thunder is like what I imagine living in the mind of what Taika Waititi might be like. It's wild, funny, a little all over the place in the middle, but by the end, it all comes together in a surprising, touching, satisfying way. So much guns and roses, too. So much. <laughs> um, let's see here. I'll read a couple more. Clayton Davis from Variety. Thor Love and Thunder is much more episodic than I would have suspected. Delivers big laughs, very standard cookie-cutter villain with Christian Bale. I want the buddy cop comedy with Natalie Portman and Tessa Thompson. Matt Damon must go Broadway. Post-credits are epic. Pure fun. And I'll read Eric Davis. Another classic Thor adventure. Thor Love and Thunder is everything I wanted it to be. Big, colorful, weird Guns N' Roses fueled battles to go with a hopelessly romantic story about discovering love in unexpected places. Christian Bale and Russell Crowe are especially great. And Korg. And these are really... It's interesting. There's so much emphasis on the uh, love story. It sounds like they must really nail that. Mm-hmm. Wow. The Illuminati. I'll read... Uh, no i mean uh these are glowing reviews so i mean it's not every fucking review that's out there but man the people are for the most part loving this fucking movie i cannot wait to see this one hell yeah and i was also reading some reviews that were heavy on tessa thompson stealing the show and just like a lot of emphasis on how much heart there is in this movie mm-hmm and that's what really gets me excited. Oh, man. To hear that the post credit scenes are epic, too? Holy yes. shit. I cannot wait. <laughs> Jake had. No, I mean, I if they're good, they're good. Like, every now and again, there is a post credit scene that I'm like, that earned it. It's just, I feel like more often than not, they don't. Mm. Yeah, once you said they're fun, I was like, oh, no. What does that mean? So, like, they could be fun, but it could also be like, you know, Chris Evans showing up going, so you've waited for the end for a sort of thing. So it's like it could be either or when they say fun, or at least that's how I interpret it. Yeah, it might not be like uh, MCU changing the landscape of the MCU kind of like, you know, it could just be like a fun little thing with yeah uh, Korg back reading more of the story to the kids and <laughs> or they're playing they're playing against noob master or whatever again or something yeah, yeah. carl yeah. urban's back shaking the shake weight yeah oh that'd be awesome <laughs> i'm really curious to see how much of a role jamie alexander is going to have in this because i'm so excited to see her return is that confirmed is she returning yeah okay cool mm-hmm. cool yeah. Or is it the whole um what is it Warriors 3, right? Is that what they're called? They're dead. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot. So if we see them, it's just going to be their dead carcasses, Steve. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> With some Guns N' Roses music on top of it. <laughs> Yeah. Carl Urban standing on top with the shake weight. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. This, this, this last story and then we'll wrap this fucker up. This Jake, I don't know. I, their post credit scene might be epic in Thor 11 Thunder, but this entire episode has been epic, right? Yeah, it's like one long post-credit scene. It's like one amazing post-credit oh. scene. <laughs> what? What? Come Thank on. You guys. 
I Come tried on. to re-energize, man. I, <laughs> I'm blushing. It was the energy bumper that got me going back. I feel like Steve getting out of that. Uh, Steve Rogers getting out of that fucking chamber with the with the serum now. There we go. Yeah. Uh, news from the direct. Marvel confirms John Krasinski's Doctor Doom connection in Doctor Strange 2. This is kind of stupid. Um, yeah, I haven't read this. Yeah. I, it's just a, just like they're just like – okay. It was Michael Waldron and he's, he's doing an interview and uh, – he made it clear how Reed Richards is his favorite Marvel Comics character and then that getting to write the character's first MCU appearance was, quote, a real honor. Uh, Reed Richards is my favorite Marvel Comics character, so it was a real honor to get to write his first entry in the MCU. John's such an amazing performer and such a great partner in bringing this role to life for the first time. Producer Richie Palmer noted how his costume was designed by Ryan Minerding and that he, the portals he enters through was, in fact, Dr. Doom's time platform. Quote, it's exciting that the costume, that costume designed by Ryan Minerding is a really, Minerding sounds like. Uh, <laughs> tiny ding, tiny dick. Well, no, it sounds like if, if you were to get into a, 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 a tiny car accident, like. You oh, know. yeah, oh, I'm OK. It was just a minor. Ding. Just a minor ding. yeah paul and steve appreciated that joke as well they they're they're hitting that i'm sure they're hitting that mute button right now as we speak jake yeah my friend you know he got t-boned and died but for me it was just a minor just a minor thing yeah uh let's see here i'm ready to end this (laughs) Jake, this episode for me was not a minor thing. (laughs) (laughs) You got T-boned. Remember that scene in the uh, the man from Toronto where the car is on the tracks? I'm the car. Nobody remembers the scene. All right. I remember remember this scene. scene. We know you do, Paul. You love that fucking movie. I love that movie, man. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm on their Etsy shop right now. Yeah, you are. (laughs) The second rule is uh, don't fuck up with the car or whatever. It's always the same second rule. Oh, why are Remember we ta- the first rule. Why, why are we talking about this movie again? That's, <laughs> that's my you fault. This shit. I know. I know. I've said it myself. <laughs> <sighs> it's exciting that the costume designed by Ryan Minerding is really a special treat. Uh, the detail of the teleportation device he uses to get into the scene is something we took from the comics. That's Dr. Doom's time platform. I feel like it's just like a, they're just taking like the design from the time platform when there's really like probably going to be no major ramifications of that. Like who knows if we'll ever, you know, we don't, we don't even know if we're going to see like a John, like John Krasinski play the character again. That's, that's not cemented. We don't know if there's going to be a new actor. I just think like this is just like a, a cute thing that they threw in as an Easter egg that might not have any future ramifications that, that we might never even meet that particular Dr. Doom who existed in the 838. 
And I mean, you can come to conclusions that, oh, this, this Reed Richards was a time traveler. I think none of that's important by the time we get to our version of the Fantastic Four in the MCU that we'll be introduced to, you know, so. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. They wrote themselves into a place where they could do fucking anything and not suffer any consequences for future continuity. Yeah. That, that's the whole point of the scene in the fucking first place. So, and I mean, really, if they were going to do Doom's fucking time travel or whatever, they, they could have made it look cooler than they did. Like, I, it's almost disappointing that this is Doom shit. <laughs> Wow. Tell us how you really feel, Jank. <laughs> I am um, one thing I that really made me happy today because I mean I love that movie. It's one of my favorites, if not my favorite, but I was very let down by the uh Krasinski performance. And uh something that made me smile today was uh Sam Raimi said to discussing film that Kevin Feige cast him because the fans had a dream of who the perfect Reed Richards would be. And because this is an alternate universe, Kevin said, let's just make that dream come true. So that really does sound like Sam is saying this was a one-time only thing. This is the only chance we have to do it. But might as well just fucking do it for the fans. I hope that's what's really going on here. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. Uh, fantastic forecastings. Um, I, you know who I like is Johnny Storm. Glenn Powell. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. He looks a lot like Chris Evans, in my opinion. Like, like if you could make, I mean, and so, and Chris Evans played Johnny Storm. I think he would be a fantastic Johnny Storm. Glenn Powell. You don't think he's too old? No, not at all. No. I, he, he's hilarious when he gets mad, too, and that, that's kind of part of the role. I think that's perfect. I like it. Yeah. But I also like him as fucking Johnny Cage from fucking Mortal Kombat. Paul? I'm all over. I'm still going with Anthony Starr for that. Anthony Starr. Yeah, would he do that? Yeah, that'd be an interesting one. I, yeah. I don't, my biggest worry about Anthony Starr as Homelander is like, I don't want the guy to just be like typecast as Homelander. Like, I think he's got so much range and, you know, a lot of people have been wanting to see him play like a, a like a Joker in a DC movie, and I can yeah. see it, but I don't want him to get typecast as just like the villain guy all the time, too. You know, so oh yeah, yeah, he needs to do something that's not superhero related next, or he's gonna get that typecast. He was fantastic in Banshee. If you ever watched that? That mm -mm. was his first show before this one. No, I never did watch that. Oh man, I, I want to say that was on maybe it was on Stars. Cinemax. It was on Cinemax. Cinemax. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was. I think. I think it was like forty episodes, and he plays like a like someone assuming the identity of like a sheriff of a small town. Huh. It was. It was amazing. It was so good. If I had time, like normal people, to watch other things, I would definitely check that out. There but since go. I'm handcuffed by this show every week, <laughs> that, that's a, that is impossible for me to do. I'm fucking with you. All right, guys, we are done. That is it, Jake. Jesus, fuck. Woo. <laughs> it got rocky that last 90 minutes. I, 
the last 90 minutes, it only, the only, it got, it got rocky. It even got rocky during the rocky portion of the episode, Jake, when we were talking <laughs> well, that's about. That's where it began to get really rocky, I thought. It literally got rocky in a lot of ways there. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know about this one. Whew. Is there a reset button on this, Jake? Can we, is there, can we, is there a reset button on these episodes? Sadly, no. Fuck. This is what people are getting? Yeah, this is what they're getting. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Shit. Oh, man, I'm going to have to make a fucking public apology next week, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, I want to thank our I want to thank our guests. Uh, (laughs) What? I want to thank our guest Paul. Where can people find you, man? What's going on? What's going on new with Apple to Oranges? Uh, we just did our big uh, uh, For All Mankind uh, review. Just got it all caught up on the entire series so far. So we broke that down. And next week we are doing uh, Physical and Loot and the Cha Cha Real Smooth. Oh, yeah. Cha Cha Real Smooth. That's a great movie. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. All but right. yeah, uh, um, we're, we're we're putting out the new link. We're on a brand new SS feed um, and all that. So so uh, check your social media stuff to to click on the new uh, link for that. Yeah, click on that. Subscribe to the new feed. Yes, please. Thank you. All right, Steve. Where can people find you? What are you talking about this week? Yeah, you can find uh, you can find me on Seen It Movie Reviews, and uh, this week Paul will actually be joining us. We're going to be having full spoiler discussions on Netflix's Spiderhead, Apple TV's Cha Cha Real Smooth, and we'll be getting into a full discussion on the Black Phone. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I'll be no, listening. No Umbrella Academy talk that episode. It's a movie <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I figured they. They could work it in somehow. Oh yeah, they it'll be. It'll, we'll definitely. I'll definitely talk about it in the banter corner. But I'm not sure if uh, Kova has even started it yet because uh, he he loves doing his one to two episodes a night type of watch. So uh, we might have to wait a few weeks before we can actually talk Umbrella Academy for real. But yeah, it'll be in the banter corner at some point. Whew, Jake, man. I feel like you know what I mean. This is like one of those episodes where it's like I feel like me and you, like a band of brothers episode. Like we were fucking in the in the bunker together, and fucking we, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did we grow stronger? I, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm definitely feeling a bond between us right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm ready for the ultimate light at the end of the tunnel when I'm fucking dying. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Come towards the light. Yeah, you bet your ass I am. I'm fucking running towards the light. Like I'm fucking like full speed ahead, sprinting towards that light, Jake. When I see it, I'm fucking I'm diving in head first. I'm I'm fucking like I like I'm fucking sliding into home when I see that fucking white light. <laughs> Belly flopping into the fucking light. Oh, my God. Jake. And until next week, we're putting the lid on it. You did it, Jake!
Oh, all right. You fucking did it. You fucking, you fucking did it. You didn't miss a fucking beat that time. Oh, man, that redeemed everything. Oh, my fucking God. I can't believe you did it. You like, you listened to me. You listened. You, you listened. You heard me say, and until next week, we're, and then you fucking, you fucking, you ran towards that light like I did my little death light, and you fucking, you nailed it, you <laughs> son of a bitch. It was from being in the bunker all this time together. It was the bonding. It was, it the, was bonding. the bonding. It was the bonding. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture push over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture push over, pop culture. Leftovers, uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers, the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.